Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Hello, retro movie lovers. Welcome back to the movie graveyard. And tonight we're going to be talking about the most 90s, 90s movie ever. Ain't that right, Zach? One of the most 90s fucking things I've ever seen. Hell yes. Like like I told you, because uh, I don't think you ever seen this one, I said, this ain't the best movie of the 90s, but it's the most 90s movie you'll ever see. It sums up everything as if it was like fucking, like the meme, uh, it, like they, this this invented the meme, basically. So somebody made this knowing like someday people are going to be like, oh, sum up the 90s in one movie. And then the fucking, this is, I'm just going to make that movie. I'm even going to put fucking uh, Lawnmower Man as CGI. And we're like, what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. We are talking about the, uh, I believe it's the 1992 awesome uh, sci-fi. Uh, man, it predicted everything so well that was going to come in the future, didn't it? So fucking red-pilled. So fucking Based red-pilled. red-pilled. We're yeah. talking about Free Jack coming to us from our friends over at the production company Morgan Creek. <laughs> exactly. Big Chad dicks on these motherfuckers. But how many studios do you know they get Warner Brothers to put out the VHS, the theatrical release to DVD, and then for Blu-ray they hop over to Sony? They got it like that. Exactly. That's what you do. And I remember when this movie came out on Blu-ray last year, I was so excited. I was like, I haven't seen this movie since, like, uh, well, actually, I've seen it, like, maybe, like, five or six years ago. I rented the DVD, but I didn't want to buy it, because I'm like, this has to come out on Blu-ray. It never did. So when it finally did, after ten years of waiting, I, I couldn't wait to get it, and I fucking threw it in, and, um... No, just, actually, I sat on it for about a year, and then when I said, hey, Zach, you want to do this? See, that's, then, then I finally watched it. That's an interesting thing. See, I'd never heard of this movie, and like, fucking, you told me about it, I watched it for the first time, and I'm like, fucking, that happened? That exists? I'm like, fucking, it's not the worst thing I've ever no. seen at all. I was surprised that it has the fucking thing about it it does. Like, apparently it's just wildly regarded. Fucking uh, Anthony uh, Hopkins uh, apologized for this film or something. <laughs> something. <laughs> It's not that terrible, baby. Right, we we know Anthony Hopkins has done way worse. I mean, he's in yeah. fucking Transformers movies. Come on, Hannibal, 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 so ridiculous. <laughs> it's actually been so long since I've seen Hannibal. I kind of want to go back and revisit it, but I did watch it in the theater. Well, I remember Hannibal was weird too because it was like, it's like why in the? I, mean, I guess it was kind of like. If you could say he had a low point in his career, like least popular, but like Ridley Scott went and made Hannibal, and it's like, why? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why? It's like, it's almost like fucking, uh, like it sounds like it was made up, but it really happened, yeah. Yeah. And it's like bizarre. From what I remember it, I just remember sitting in the theater just thinking it was ridiculous how over the top Hannibal was and how it was like, it was basically just like franchise exploitation. It's like, oh, you fuckers like Hannibal Lecter as a supporting character? Or here's a whole movie of his shenanigans. It's like, oh. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So anyway, we're going to actually start talking about Free Jack here. Like we said, this has been released by multiple studios. Because every studio, once the uh, the rights come up to Free Jack uh, video releases, they all, it's a bidding war, I would say. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, so if you have the Warner Brothers DVD, you'll probably get a Warner Brothers logo, or if you're watching it streaming, you might get a Warner Brothers logo. If you get the Blu-ray, you're just going to get the Morgan Creek logo. Uh, so we're just going to call it down the middle, and we got it paused on the Morgan Creek um, logo, like where you can actually read it. It kind of swirls around, and then you see the logo. Oh, yeah. 
I, so, I pause it right when the logo settles. Like once the animation's yeah. done, if it's sitting there, baby. It kind of reminds me of the New Line Cinema logo a little bit, right? Like the way it mm-hmm. kind of like goes and has that bluish background. But anyway, look, like they got such big Chad concrete cocks, they're basically taunting us with their logo, showing the bends in their cock. Like they got one of those big <laughs> that, ass ones of bends. That's what I thought. Like it's so rubbery, they can like twist it like a balloon at a kids' party. Exactly. So we got to pause on the Morgan Creek logo. I'm going to say one, two, three, go, and then we're going to start this awesome movie. Everybody grab your remotes. One, two, three, go. We are going to drown in fucking bukkake fucking loads of great uh, uh, fucking uh, uh, Rolling Stones jism. Fucking, we got the man himself here. Fucking, our boy fucking jumping jack flies. It's your gas, gas, gas. Fucking, I re- see, it, I, I started singing a song because I don't remember his fucking name. Mick Jagger. I'm Mick so Jagger. terrible with names. I was mm-hmm. stalling. I was stalling. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I actually went to high school uh, with a guy who loved Mick Jagger so much. Uh, I, didn't, I don't even find out about this so recently, but he started a, a band and uh, he named it the Tongue and Lips, which is the description of the Rolling Stones logo. Fucking, uh, I thought he was gonna. I thought he named it the Mick Jaggers, and I was like, "How do you market that? How do you put that on a fucking shirt? Like, fucking, that's just somebody's name. He could sue you." Yeah, but they 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 were more based in Red Pill. They went with the tongue and lips. It was a very Chad move. It was. Exactly. So yeah, this fucking movie, like, uh, it really does. It it, it feels th- this intro is very good though. Fucking, yeah. uh, the, it's got one of those uh, Halloween part five or part four type intros where it just lets you settle and you're you're seeing the the uh, the universe or the the town. And I always love that intro for Halloween uh, four too, baby. Well, it's funny too, because like I don't know if you kind of picked up on this vibe, Zach, but um, it's weird. It's like this movie is like very expensive feeling, but also very cheap feeling at the same time. Like that's a uh, that's Mick Jagger's vape cloud we're seeing right there. Fucking, <laughs> is he, he is fucking huffing that fucking uh, that dang shit. <laughs> he he's got the hookah. Exactly. They had to. That's how they convinced him to be in the movie. He was this like fucking. He was blitzed. I was fucking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Apparently, there is a, a story about them how they got him. Did you see that? Yeah. Was it the <laughs> one where they just explained the storyline to him and he's like, "That sounds awesome," and, and then he like did the movie and he's like, "Yeah, if I would have read the whole script, I wouldn't have done it." Basically, yeah. That that oh, oh right there. You can't, I can't tell if it's just like uh, if it's just like really harsh highlights on their hair, but it almost looked like you could see the part where they cut around these photos of Emilio Estevez <laughs> right. the, to make the Photoshop <laughs> pictures. But it it might have been like really harsh uh, like highlights in his hair that made it look like that. Yeah, like it gets off to kind of like a weird start. And it's like you just see some uh, some smoke clouds and some giant tanks rolling through it, and then it just cuts to Emilio Estevez in his underwear, like waking up. This is one of those movies, like uh, it's the cyberpunk uh, future, like yeah. utopia or dystopia. I mean, and like fucking like you know they're uh, it's what they they're laying on that, but it, unlike most movies like that, it doesn't start out with the opening test uh, crawl, fucking okay. like slowly letting us know what's going on, fucking even. Uh, 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 fucking Super Mario Brothers movie. Fucking uh, was it had something like that. That was kind of a cyberpunk movie, which is weird. I think. I think even Johnny Mnemonic had one too, right? Like an opening mm-hmm. crawl or something. I'm pretty sure it did. It was a template. They all had to do it, yeah. baby. 
But this one was like, fuck you, you I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And that fucking badass bass rip. Great Chad. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because this movie kind of had like a little bit of a pedigree because it was based on a pretty popular, from what I take, science fiction novel. And then one of the guys... Um, who kind of like uh, whatever adapted in the screenplay was Ronald Shusett, who was back in the day was partners with Dana Bannon, and like they created the Alien script and you know other yeah. things. He was like a guy that was Ronald Shusett was a guy who was really into science fiction and stuff. So it was like really, I would say this oh. without looking at his credits, this might have been his last big uh, kind of hurrah. Our boy Emilio is driving a fucking hot pink race car. That is a big. Fucking Chad move. What a what a concrete cock on this motherfucker. Well, yeah, like when they first cut into the shot, like it's such a hot pink, like you almost, especially see it in HD, you know, like on streaming or Blu-ray, like you almost think like there's something wrong with your TV, like the colors got fucked up because you wouldn't have the main character driving a a hot pink race car. But then you remember, oh, wait, like they're just ripping off Tom Cruise and Days of Thunder. Mm -hmm. Oh fucking! Uh, you're being too cynical. I think they are so based in Red Pill. They really, they were like fucking ahead. Like, remember how punk, like, uh, pink was embraced by the punk community because it was just like, oh, it's fucking wuss and all this shit. But like, yeah. that's why it's fucking awesome because like nobody would expect you to be. It's like fucking you, you, you do it how you want to do it, baby. It's fucking and pink is just a pretty color. It's fucking it's pleasing to the eye. Why wouldn't I want to? But then like this movie came out and they, he fucking red pilled them on it. Very Chad. Do you think when he saw the race car in this movie, it made Steven Tyler write the Aerosmith song called Pink? Fucking that. That is a great song. See, that probably came out around the same time yeah. Pink was on the radio. Fucking, uh, I remember driving around, he earned that fucking song and just well, wanting to eat pussy. As a fucking uh, seven-year-old kid, just wanting to eat pussy right then. Exactly. Pink is a natural obsession. Pink is a make you come hard. Pink Hell is yeah. my favorite color. And I don't know how I'm not going to become every time I see a pink race car. Fucking it had to be based yeah. on this song or this movie. Exactly. See, like you're letting the people know our, our secret organization, fucking big cum. They can't make exactly. this shit. Fucking well, nice. if it, if it, it, you know, might as well just jigs up. Might as well um, let it out just because you know, I should say jizzes up. But uh, you know, if it wasn't going to come out of this movie, that's just based in red pill about the Illuminati. Now, mm-hmm. Mick Jagger. He, this movie's kind of famous for having Mick Jagger in it, which it did establish him as an action hero. Um, but there's also a secondary uh, main character played by a famous musician. This is David Johansson, a.k.a. Buster Poindexter. Here he is playing uh, Milo Estevez's race car agent. Fucking the big Chad stud, basically. Fucking trying to hype his boy up. And you notice our our boy Emilio, like, even when he got, like, a little, like, not that he's old. He's probably in his early 30s when he made this movie. But, like, you know, when he transitioned out of the teen like roles like they still try to fucking have him be like a punk rebel like all he has to do is shake the hands of these guys who like make rate like motor oil or something and they'll sponsor him he's like fuck that i'm not doing that this is a waste of my time blah. and i'm yeah. just like I've, everybody in the world who drives a race car like the first thing you know is you need all these sponsors right <laughs> like why is he such a dick 
He's a fucking, he is on a whole new level. Like, he, fucking, they can't catch up to him. Like, he's got it all figured out. Our boy, fucking, and like, that, that's one thing that it's like, yeah, fucking, it's got Emilio Estevez, and Emilio Estevez, he's always, he's always at least likable in the movies. I see yeah. him most of the time, man. And then, like, fucking, exactly, uh, fucking, you mentioned, like, oh, uh, fucking, that's what the uh, our boy is known from, uh, fucking Mick Jagger. He was in this movie. Uh, I, I actually thought, I didn't realize you were joking at first, but I was, like, fucking, uh, I was thinking, like, he was in a couple movies, wasn't he? Like, what was that? There's a pretty big, like, uh, uh, the guy that made uh, Don't Look Now made a movie with him in it. Oh, yeah. I, I know, too, like, way back in the days, didn't he make one with Werner Herzog? Can't remember if it was Fitzcarraldo or which one. There, there was one, and obviously, obviously too, Mick Jagger. He's like one of the few people that's like his acting career is most famous for a role he didn't get. Like everybody knew that he was considered at the time to play Alex in A Clockwork Orange. Dog. Okay, yeah, real quick, we're we're seeing. Let's let's talk about the plot of this uh, yeah. film. Oh boy, and you 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 tell us because like fucking, I seen it once. And fucking, it's got a weird plot. So, so basically, it's like a little confusing because you're cutting back and forth between like the future, which is like at nighttime, and then the current day. But but it's not like they ever like put titles up on the screen to say this year and current day or nothing. Like you just kind of like gotta like understand what's going on. Is like in the future, you know, like they can't really time travel. Like they can't send a person back. I guess. But they can just, like, suck out a, a little place in time, like, I guess pretty much anything, but the the idea is they want to suck out a person because, like, you know, historical record, you know exactly when and how people die. And Emilio mm-hmm. is going to die in a car crash here. So, like, they're targeting him in the future of a Sendak as uh, Mick Jagger's character, who's kind of dressed like the guys from, uh, I'd say, Doom. And mm-hmm. um, they're going to shoot this. It's basically just like a laser beam. They're going to shoot it through time and space back to 1992 or I mean, I actually no it's 91 is when the race is happening which is weird because yeah. like the movie came out in night and i think early 92 but you th- i don't know if it got delayed or something but uh it's weird that they didn't just change the year to be whatever so mm-hmm. he's gonna shoot back this laser beam suck emilo out of the year 1991 he's gonna appear on this operating table and like they're immediately like within seconds right they're supposed to uh, lobotomize Emilio with this like electric bolt. Like it's very sci-fi, and they don't they don't really take the time to explain it to you at all, do they? Not really. But it, we only have to see it happening. But then, yeah. like, uh, yeah, fucking basically, the plot is Emilio. He fucking breaks out of their fucking. Uh, their whole plan and fucking he, he ruins it and like now he's in the future and it takes place in the fucking way distant future of 2009 exactly we jump you from know, 1991 18 years in the future future to 2009 and this is super realistic because remember back in 2009 when doctors were wearing aluminum foil and shit like that <laughs> yeah. i think they only wore aluminum foil back then didn't they Oh yeah, everything was chrome like that episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. It's kind of funny that they're all in like suits and shit too, like uh, tinfoil suits. Because um, maybe it was supposed to be hot in the room when Emilio flew back through time, but like they're really not doing anything sterile. They're just going to shoot an electricity bolt onto his head. Like they're not operating. This uh, is dang too. They cover him in foil (laughs) or saran wrap. (laughs) 
Maybe the guy who came up with the set design and all the ideas was like fucking eating lunch and fucking yeah. like uh, reheating like a baked potato. And he's like, you know what? We can shoot the scene like this. This is interesting. It's like a big fucking microwave. That's what they're doing there. It is kind of what it's like. And then like the hacker, the time hacker is played by Isai Morales, who has a giant scar on his face. That is actually not Isai Morales. That is his brother, Westside Morales. And he just has that scar in real life. That's how you can tell them apart. Exactly. Fucking... They get fucked up all the time. Sometimes they just like he goes uh, along with it and just lets it be part of his IMDb, fucking whatever. I can't remember. I want to say it was our boy Mendoza got to meet Eastside Morales one time. Fucking hell yes. Very chill. Fucking meet that meaty ass dick of Eastside. Mm-hmm. Eastside, West Side. Oh, yeah. So the re- the reason uh, Emilio kind of gets the opportunity to like not and and like the the thing that shoots out the laser it kind of has like a tentacle. Was that supposed to go up his nose? I'm guessing that's how they would lobotomize him. Yeah, it looked like a big cum device. Yeah. Like they were gonna stick it up there and fucking. Would it be funny the... if they stuck it in like the tip of his penis and lobotomized him that way? Oh hell yeah, that would be that would be a terrible way to die. But the doctor is just, like, trying to shoot that laser all around the room, chasing Amelia around. But the reason he's able to get free is um, some gorillas, um, you know, they like, they recognize what's going on. They think it's wrong that they're stealing people out of time. Because, like, this was a lot of, like, it's not really revealed yet what's what going on in the storyline. But this was the inspiration for Jordan Peele's Get Out. So in the future, the reason oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're jacking these people out of time, which legally are supposed to die, it's like the, if you get sucked out of time, you have like no legal rights in the, in the modern day, 2009. So like they take the people out of time, they're like, oh, you're going to die anyway, so you're a deceased person, and then they lobotomize them, and then they transplant with a big machine the uh, memory or, or consciousness or soul, or however you want to put it, of a, of a current rich person. Gee, that's exactly what we would be doing, too. Yeah. We would be fucking like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to not have to pay minimum wage. We can just get fucking people that are supposed to be dead already fucking working all the factories. A big ad move. This movie was based fucking it very was. red pill. Now, the Stormtroopers, that's what I mean. Like, this movie, like, like if you look at the cinematography on this, Zach, like, it actually, like, look at these shots and the lighting. Like, it's a very stylized, good movie. But then you see the Stormtroopers running around, and they look like something out of fucking Schwarzenegger's The Running Man or something. Like. See, shit like that, I think, is fun, though. I think that adds yeah. to the charm. And yeah, it does. It looks like uh, like uh, you, you see a movie that you hear talked about like this, and then you expect the Blu-ray isn't gonna look too great, but yeah. it, like it does. It looks fucking the. I watched it in uh, HD too. It's streaming on uh, HBO Max, baby. That's right. I, as soon as I saw it pop up this month, I was like, oh, we gotta strike, because I was like, ain't nobody ever heard of this movie, and nobody else is gonna have a physical copy, so I gotta strike while it's streaming. But I, but I will say. Um, even though this movie is what inspired uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out, like it makes a little bit more sense to me than some guy and some rich guy in the future would be like, "Oh, I want to pay to be, you know, forty years younger and, and look like Emilio Estevez, a movie star." Then, like, remember Get Out? Like everybody was paying millions of dollars, and then they was just like working as the gardener and the maid. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of one of the fucking like weird thing. Like, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't really. Uh, I, yeah, that's what I thought when you explained the plot of this to me. I was like, "Oh, it sounds like Get Out." Yeah. And then, like, yeah, there was, like, some weird thing like that I, I remember not getting back when I watched it. It's been a while, for, though. Yeah. And they tried to explain it away, like, oh, the, the, the maid and the gardener guy, like, they were, like, um, 
the the parents or whatever of the doctor who was doing the operations i'm like okay that's great like you wanted to extend the life of your parents and put their brains in new bodies but why you got them raking leaves and shit exactly. <laughs> made no sense good shit yeah that's what keeps you young they say fucking you rake leaves no not like i said i mean i i know like i'm kind of like making fun of this movie but I'm really not making fun of it because I actually genuinely really like this movie. Um, it's just one oh. of those weird things where it has this reputation. If you ever look up any articles online of it, people who actually do like it, they always say it's so bad it's good or whatever. But I don't mm-hmm. even take it that way. I just think a few, like, really just, like, the design elements, some of the costumes and stuff are, like, goofy. But, like, like if you look at it, it's it's competently shot. It, it looks like a big-budget movie. Um Mick Jagger is, like, a you, little weird at first, but, like, I think the second half of the movie, he comes off as better. You know what they really fucked up, and, and it was, like, a, like they missed the, the opportunity? Like, it had to have been some kind of overlook, or or maybe they just, they didn't get fucking uh, Mick Jagger or the Rolling Stones to write the soundtrack, or at least one song. Yeah. And it's probably because they realized they asked him when he was, like, stoned, and, like, now if we give him too much to do, he might just say, uh, fucking, uh, never mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, you know what's really strange too is like the Rolling Stones were kind of like has-beens and like the 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 throughout the 80s, you know? Like they kind of like a lot of people like they had a couple hits like in the early 80s, but they were but it was one of those things where it was like people were like this doesn't really sound like the Rolling Stones anymore. It just sounds like current kind of disco rock bullshit, you know what I mean? Mm. And so the Rolling Stones were fucking geniuses. And I remember at the time people thinking it was so insane that a 50-year-old, they're like, oh, 50-year-olds can play rock music? Because like back then they were so used to everybody dying at the age of 27, you know what I mean, who played rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. And the Rolling Stones kind of did this thing, which is like what all you know popular old bands do now is like they're like we're just going to do a giant like fucking tour or whatever like they did have like a new album come out but they're like we're just going to play 99% of our hits you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like they came back and did that and i remember i think it was called the steel wheels tour like my parents even went to it they went to our the cincinnati reds baseball stadium like i don't know why i didn't go or whatever but um or maybe i didn't want to go cuz i was like whatever 10 11 years old but they did this giant like because the Rolling Stones hadn't been, like, really relevant in, like, a while. Like, they did this giant world tour where they just played all the old shit. And it was, like, that thing, too, of, like, kind of, like, now. How, like, you know, it's, like, a band who's, like, 10 years old and most popular and nobody likes. But once, they get, once they've been around for, like, 20, 25 years, all of a sudden everybody gets nostalgic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, like, they did this tour and it was, like, successful. They went everywhere for, like, two years, the Rolling Stones. And that's why they actually cast them in this movie. They're, like... Like, if you look at the trivia or whatever, like, the, the producer's like, we wanted to capitalize on the success of this rock tour that <laughs> make Jagger was so popular again, get him in a movie. I thought that was weird, uh, you know. Now, this is a good uh, red pill shit here is where they go to talk to this hologram. And it's mm-hmm. like, Emilio, they're like, oh, he got away. Like, the little underlings, corporate underlings, talking back oh, to the yeah. boss. And it's like a Star Wars hologram. He's like, no, I want this face they're like oh we'll just get you somebody else he's like no i want this face and it's a hologram of emilio in a a sith robe i was like emilio fucking with someone had to say it before the fucking movie ended 
So. Well, did you notice his last name is Furlong too? Yeah, I was gonna tell you this. This came out in '92. Eddie Furlong burst on the scene in '91. Like you know, that was like this is based on an older book. They're like, let's contemporize it. Like, what's like the coolest name going on in pop pop culture right now? Oh, Eddie Furlong. We'll make him Alex Furlong. So the whole mm-hmm. movie, they never like other than Renee Russo. Uh, she calls him Alex, but everybody else just says Furlong, Furlong. So it's like I, you know, Eddie Furlong was sitting there like, why didn't they fucking call me? Like I could have done it. What if it, like, see, what if that's the reason Furlong's career like fucking went so sour? Like if this movie wouldn't have done this, he would have been like the fucking it kid. Like oh, the kid from T two. Now it's tainted by that movie that everybody remembers as being really bad, but it's not that bad. <laughs> I this was like one of the few times like I was used to movies coming and like the playing in the theater for a week because a lot of times we would go see like horror movies that were put out by smaller companies and they wouldn't be around long. But this is one of the few times where I remember like a you know because this was originally released at Warner Brothers. This is one of the few times Zach where like I really was like aware enough to realize like oh that movie didn't do good because like it came out for like a week two weeks and like nobody talked about it nobody ever whatever and it just came and went you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like i I was used to that with like little goofy shit like but i mean this looks like a a big budget movie i mean it is but you know Mm -hmm. fucking amanda krueger fucking the 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 longtime mom of freddie finally making her appearance here in part five isn't she, what's her name? The bastard mom of a thousand maniacs. That's a pretty cool fucking name. Yeah, I mean it, it doesn't make much sense because only one guy can fucking <laughs> get you pregnant. But like yeah. whatever. And it's not only that, cool but like you ever notice when you watch the scene as a kid, like you take it literal that you know. I mean, in real life people just exaggerate. Bastard son of a thousand maniacs. Like you look mm-hmm. in the room and there's like only about sixty guys, and you're like, Where, where's like the other nine hundred and forty of them? Oh yeah. Yeah, we we, uh, we basically yeah like uh, once he got here, it became like that scene in uh, Back to the Future where Marty runs to his house yeah. to fucking and it's uh, it's got different people living there. So like he went to find his his wife and like she found out that she like is still alive but she moved on. Yeah. And so like yeah, he's got to go fucking find his wife at, uh, in the uh, hell yeah, Big Chad, Big John Stud over here. Yeah, it was just like Back to the Future too, where he goes to his old house and like different people are there and. Exactly. And they and like there's another thing too is like I don't know if it was racist or, or trying to be reverse racist, but like in in both Back to the Future two and this one, when people go to their old house, it's always black people living there, and they're shocked to see that black people are living in their home now. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, yeah, it is it, fucking. I wonder if there was some like weird thing they were trying to imply with the, in both movies. Who knows? Yeah. No, I thought this was weird. Was like. uh I guess it's supposed to look futuristic, but, like, Mick Jagger is sitting on this giant, like, 20-foot-long, like, couch that's just made out of, like, the most ridiculous grandma-looking, like, I don't know, like, fabric, red fabric. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was, like this was, like, the only thing in his lair that stood out to me. I was like, why the fuck did they pick that? Like, it looks so shitty, like... Yeah, and Westside Morales literally looks like he has athlete's feet on his face. He does. And, like, they don't really, like, talk about it because, like, at this point, Mick Jagger's starting to get um, nervous that he might have, like, a rat or something. Like, he can't understand, like, why everything's going wrong and why, you know, Emilio Estev keeps evading all his detectives or whatever, stormtroopers. 
So he he has a, a, a West Side Morales put his hand on like a little handprint thing, and when he when he tells him like whatever, it's like a truth detector kind of, exactly. like a lie detector. And it, yeah, it basically set him up. That was where we we're supposed to get the the implication that fucking no, this guy he means business. But like yeah. because it's fucking uh, the guy, it, because it's Mick Jagger. You just want to like fucking uh, like hang out with them, smoke uh, smoke a do- doobie, and ask yeah. him like fucking dude, like you make a dead man come. That's one of the greatest lyrics, dude. <laughs> like you make, <laughs> you you make a dead man come. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just sitting there, fucking like looking at you like an old man, Barry Chad. Yeah, basically, like that, that kind of fucking shit you get whenever you're just like well, you stop giving a shit. Yeah, so basically Emilio was just running around in his his race car outfit, and he wound up in this church. And, like, yeah, I don't think we set up too much that Rene Russo plays his wife in 1991, and then, like, for, mm-hmm. like, a the first kind of half here, he's trying to, like, track her down, to, you know, see what's yeah. going on. Because, like, nobody really wants to help him. Just Amanda Plummer does playing the nun here. Like, she uh, gives him some clothes to change into, so, you know, he isn't so conspicuous or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. um... It's coming up here in a second, Zach, but um, the director of this also directed Young Guns 2 with Emilio. And because I, I thought, like, this kind of looks like his Young Guns get up, like, this shirt and the long jacket and then the hat. And it's like, yeah, like, something happened where I don't think they could use it. But they said they intended to use the exact same hat that he used in Young Guns 2. And I'm like, I'm like, that's so weird. Like, why would you reference, like, a movie that you made, like, a year before? <laughs> Fucking amazing. They were trying to get the. They were trying to do the fucking Marvel thing. See, they they were red pilled and they did everything first, and people shit on it. But look, look at like the light beams coming into this place and stuff. Like this is like beautiful, like film design and cinematography that like you don't see anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like all those people are like, oh, it's it's so good, it's ba- or so bad, it's good. I'm like, oh yeah, but it also has better cinematography than your favorite fucking Marvel movie. So. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, uh, like, you, I, I remember I, I heard something about the test screening of this movie was really bad or something. Yeah. So basically what happened was, because, I mean, this, it's, it wasn't like a, you know, an instance of, like, Emilio didn't get along with the director. He had worked with the director, like, right before they filmed this. But he's, the, the feeling they got after the test screening or whatever was that the movie was just only focused on the action. Like, there was a, a lot of uh, story and also, like, Emilio, I guess his character was just kind of, like, he didn't have much personality and enough charm or whatever. So they went back and they did some reshoots without the director. And it was pretty much just, like, little dialogue pieces. There's a few places, like, I think the part where he washes up later in the river with the bum. Like, just pretty much, like, just like little minor things. It wasn't like they, like, shot reshot half the movie or anything. But it's like they were trying to kind of, like make it a little like lighthearted and like you know focus just really just put more character into it is what i everything i read about it so oh yeah that fucking stacy just reminded me of fucking uh of uh, of, uh the main character from uh rocky horror picture show fucking our frankfurter boy. yeah fucking yeah something about the makeup was very reminiscent i i, I instantly came basically yeah, he, here he's, like, in the bad part of town, like, the red light district with all the hookers, and then, like, a, a shootout. I thought that was a good kind of misdirect where the guy with the gun comes up and grabs him, and you think, mm-hmm. oh, shit, they found him, but it's just the guy wants to use him as a human shield while he shoots people. <laughs> exactly. This is also, like, uh, yeah, it, it is a lot reminiscent of, like, a Blade Runner, which probably yeah. is a direct inspiration. 
Yeah, like you barely saw like the little motorcycle thing. Like, like we saw Mick Jagger's tanks, which were basically just like you know, I mean, they're not tank tanks like with giant guns. I mean, they do have machine guns on them, but they're I, I don't know what you would call those things, Zach. Like, like armored carrier, the personnel carriers, or whatever troop carriers, kind of just like those big like swamp tanks. But like other than that, like there is some features to cars, but we haven't really seen it yet. We've seen just kind of like a little, and they're kind of like. Um, like the things that you see driving around in demolition man which i always wondered like if they shared the same thing but like i'd say back to the future 2 this movie and, De- and demolition man they all have very similar futuristic cars mm-hmm. uh, people like to nitpick uh, like the logic of the like time travel and all their favorite movies mm-hmm. like fucking the uh, I'm trying to remember what's the one everybody says makes the least amount of sense. What was it? Was it like Time Cop or something? I, I don't remember. Fucking yeah, I remember people talking about it, but I don't know. Time Cop kind of made sense to me. I think the yeah. thing that that's whatever about Time Cop is like they have this thing where if like the future version of yourself touches yourself, like the the matter like warps together, like you'll like turn into like a blob, like you like the skin wall melt together and like you'll kind of like disintegrate, which like. People say that's ridiculous, but they set that up in Back to the Future, don't they? Like, like uh, Doc yeah. tells them, like, don't meet your whatever past self, future self. Oh, yeah, like that. That doesn't really seem like it, maybe they mean it's ridiculous because you. It's like, oh, you know, they just put that there so they can show off some early '90s CG, and which you probably like, oh yeah, that looks ridiculous. But like, it doesn't really seem ridiculous as a concept. I guess fucking, it seems fine to me. But like in this movie. Like, they had to pinpoint the certain time, and, like, they were setting something up with lasers. They recreated a 3D model of him and his race car. I was like, okay, so do they have to, like, try to simulate the kind of, like, uh, energy that, like, happened in the crash and, like, uh, through some kind of weird wormhole time warp they're pulling? Like, I was thinking about, like, for some reason, I always try to think deeper about the stupid shit that uh, no one should notice like that. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting if they would have staged it a little bit different instead of just having him himself pop out if, like, it wasn't exact and they kind of, like, ripped out the whole cockpit of his race car. Like, that would have been oh, cool yeah. if, like, half the car just, like, showed up and, cra- you know what I mean? Like, crashed. Like, mm-hmm. Now he's meeting his uh, buddy, the old manager of his, baby. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask you, this is, like I said, David Johansson, which is uh, lead singer of the New York Dolls. And also, uh, after New York Dolls broke up or whatever, he became Buster Poindexter. was like an alter ego, which was like really over the top. He had that song, Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot. Dude, I was going to say, because you're a bit younger than me, do you even know who this guy is? Did you recognize him? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, you, look, look up look up uh, sometime uh, after we record this. Look up Buster Poindexter, Hot, Hot, Hot on YouTube. Like this guy, like he had like big, he almost was like... Um, he was almost like a Pee Wee Herman type character. He was like this crazy party guy. And he was like, you know, his songs were like, because New York Dolls were like one of those, like they kind of called him like a proto-punk band, but they were like, New York Dolls were like one of the first guys that like dressed up kind of like women. Like they almost performed in drag type thing. And then like when the 80s came around, he went and created this character, Buster Poindexter, where he was like always in a kind of tuxedo and he had a big pompadour hair and he was like the crazy party guy. And he made like one or two, a couple albums and had big hits. And it's just like when I was growing up as a kid, I didn't even know who David Johansson was. I just thought, oh, that's Buster Poindexter. I thought he was like a real guy. You know what I mean? Like Pee Wee Herman, I remember I when I found out Pee Wee Herman wasn't a real person. I yeah. Think, 
Like, why does he go by Pee Wee? Why does he build as Pee Wee Herman as himself then? Like, fucking, yeah. uh, why are you lying to me? I felt so lied to, like, fucking finding out Santa Claus wasn't real and shit. Exactly. So was he, like, a stand-up comedian or just, like, joke songs? No, he he was... He... he it, it was, like, joke songs, but it wasn't... It was weird. It was, like... It, the, the thing I can kind of, like draw an analogy to is like you remember like did you ever see like the talking head shit where david byrne got really weird and he was wearing like giant suits and shit and he was like acting mm. goofy it was kind of like yeah. that like buster poindexter was just like a devilish character who's always dancing around and singing and but like i guess because it was a shirt the... with big ass shoulder pads for no reason exactly <laughs> everybody oh, trying yeah. to look bigger but it was like it was like he kind of parlayed that character and i don't know if he like played that character outside of musical if he ever like appeared as it in movies but like he started getting casted in movies because that character was so over the top and crazy so like uh he played the hitman who like fucking like with the black cat and the tales from the dark side and he was like the uh he was i can't remember exactly which but he was like the cab driver ghost whatever and scrooged Mm -hmm. so i mean he did like a lot of shit for a while i mean he's still a pretty fairly famous guy but I guess we're, we're seeing uh, the fucking uh, Mike guy from uh, Breaking Bad. If yeah. we didn't point that out already. Yeah, I, t- I, t- I shit, I saw his name in the credits, and now I'm blanking. I know who that guy is. It's like Joe, whatever. He's fucking uh, Breaking Bad, uh, like uh, Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I enjoy them. Yeah, he always plays a badass Chad. But like here, we finally catch up with Renee Russo, uh, Alex Furlong's wife, and it's in the future. And it turns out she works for this giant mega uh, global corporation. And then the guy, um, uh, the Better Call Saul guy, shit. Why am I blanking on his name? I feel so stupid now. Yeah, his name in the show is Mike. Yeah, that's why I keep getting um, confused. But like, yeah, he's like kind of like the second in command, and then she's like anthony hopkins is like the leader of the company but it's kind of weird because like you you know it's kind of what gives the 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 kind of gist of the movie away a little bit the twist of the movie i guess you should say is anthony hopkins plays mccandless and like he's only showing up yeah here's the here's the young guns to get up with the hat and everything but anthony hopkins is only showing up on video calls so so yeah, right away, and and he's the first build cast member. So like yeah. right away when you're watching the movie, you know, <laughs> you know pretty much. Yeah, they thought everybody was gonna get heart because like they were saying like I think he made this like this was like one of his movies he made after Silence of the Lambs, but I want to say maybe he got this like before Silence of the Lambs got super popular. But mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like when, when I was a kid and saw this, like this was like one of the the scenes that like i remembered was like this greasy diner where all these people were and like all the shit broke out in oh yeah fucking remember that scene from young guns 2 i know i can picture in my mind he's wearing the young guns 2 get up stop fucking telling me this doesn't exist see that's how (laughs) the fucking that's how that whole shit happens the mandela effect just like shit like that (laughs) i think at this point anything that simbad was in gets a mandela effect fucking simbad's amazing Mm mm-hmm Big Chad, I would I would go see. Well, I know he's having some health problems now, but I mean, you know, once that clears up, I would go see a brand new movie with the Sinbad in it. We need house, fucking house guest too, 
where they bring together house guests from Sinbad and house guests with Polly Shore and just have a fucking double team. Yeah, because I even had a Mandela effect. We were talking about uh, guest house, and I kept saying yeah, house yes. guest the other night. <laughs> house guest to guest house. <laughs> That'd be dog. I'd do a big com. Oh, it'd be huge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, see, this like ugly trucker guy is flashing his gun at Emilio, and see this is this had to be a reshoot scene because Emilio is doing his weird Billy the Kid character where he he looks at the guy and pulls the gun out to scare him. Like it's so fucking Billy the Kid, and it's yeah. like, it's like why would Alex Furlong be acting like that when he's just scared and on the run now? Like you know what I mean? Yeah, they were just trying to call back, and what's funny is like I I didn't even notice like fucking uh, I've never seen young Gans. Guns one or two. I'm fucking. I'm stumbling over my words over here with my speech. Young Gans. Young Gans. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like that Tom Petty. You know, you think in 2009 they they had the Tom Petty "You're Mad" thing yet? <laughs> Did they have it? We'll see. Yeah. Well, I don't uh, think there was any memes in 2009. Yeah, probably not. Fucking. Yeah, we were talking about like we should make the for for wherever you're arguing with people and the, you got a the the you're mad bro meme. We could just do a, the the Tom Petty and the you're so mad. Fucking. That was a, a meme idea I had. Very chad. Yeah, very chad. Jonathan Banks is the name of that guy from Better Call Saul. Oh hell yeah. I don't Fucking, know why. Mike is a more memorable name. It is. Jonathan Banks, that is a guy that works at a bank somewhere. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because they, they, the cops come running in, and um, or the Free Jack cops, whatever they are, and they're shooting lasers. I always thought this was kind of fun that they had these laser guns that, that are supposed to stun him, you know, so to take him alive because mm-hmm. whoever paid for his body still wants him alive. And um, they bump into the table of, the, of that trucker guy that, the, that he's doing the Billy and the Kid shit with, and uh, it's funny because they bump into it, and the guy gets so mad that all his sloppy ass food that he actually shoots and kills David Johansson. I'm like, how come he didn't shoot Emilio? Like that was weird. <laughs> fucking as you do, the fucking the, the star never he never gets uh, too badly. See, that's basically I think was that what they were trying to do? Were they trying to like bring Emilio into the action film realm? I mean, he kind of was already there though with Young Guns, right? Maybe, yeah. They're even giving him one-liners and stuff in here. I, I think it was definitely Young Guns that got him on the action kick because uh, remember it was like then the year after this, he had Judgment Night come out. It was kind of like an easy like if you kind of had a little bit of a name as a star back then, the the easiest thing you could then transition into is like doing a bunch of action movies back to back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, like he's kind of bef- he's kind of ahead of his time too because like. Emilio, outside of the Young Guns thing, which was more just all about kind of packaging and casting and, you know, hipness or whatever. Other than that, his action shit didn't really catch on. But that was like, it was probably like the same year, that, like later after this movie came out, the same year, Speed caught on. And then that's where everybody got so obsessed saying, because our boy the Reeves was in Speed, that, oh, you know, the, like we don't need action heroes. We get like regular actors and you kind of change the movie around to where like the guys aren't big chads they're just more like everyday guys trying to survive type thing listen to him imagine fucking in what universe is the reeves not a big chad that's what i'm thinking now this was great because he uh emilio steals the police motorcycle and then he drives it right back into the diner and busts out the window i thought that was a great kind of touch Fuck yeah! He, see, uh, he he should he better be hoping that like in the future they don't like equipped self destruction mechanisms on these bikes or something. They're so far in the future. 
And it's funny, too, because this is one of those kind of futuristic movies where a lot of people are basically driving, like, uh, go-karts in the future. You notice that? Like, they're, like, a little... Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, like, I think Emilio did it good. Like, I think if he would have made this in Judgment Night two or three years later, I think people would have been more receptive to it. Now, here's you get a good shot of the street. There's, like, the bus that goes around in all the future cars. Like, they spent quite a bit of good money here. Like, there's a lot of different ones. Imagine ever thinking these look fucking, like, good. Like, even yeah. in any future ever. Like, fucking, that looks like something uh, comfortable <laughs> driving. What's weird, too, because the guy who drives it, he has, like, no roof. Like, it's not like a convertible. Like, he's just in a cockpit that's open. Like, what happens when it rains? Like, you don't got to worry about rain in the future. Yeah. Everything is equipped with, uh, uh, you know, their own dryer. Like, the fucking carpet, it just has a dryer underneath the fucking floor, and it, it dries it. It's amazing. I got to say, though, because, you, you know, films now, they don't really have any imagination. They just all take place in the real world, and people are just sitting talking on cell phones to figure out all their problems. Whereas this movie is kind of interesting. I always loved movies back then that did slightly futuristic, like 20, 30 years in the future, and they got all these weird cars, like... Like, you can't really get away with that now because, like, audiences... Whereas, like, back then, they just wanted to see weird shit in the future. Now people are really, like, you know, in 10, 20 years, they'll just pull that movie out and make fun of it. So you can't really do that now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, uh, the, the way like that, uh, the way that bathroom was set up, how bright it was. I don't think there's a single room in my house that's that bright. Well, this is very upscale. Exactly. We, we don't have the money to live in mansions like this. Fucking, uh, we we are not red pilled and based enough. This, no, I, th I this thought chick, this was a great. Go ahead. I was gonna say she's giving me like, who who is she again? Renee Russo. Okay, I don't recognize. I was trying to think like, what did I see her in? I must just be getting like a fucking vibe from somebody else. Well, she was kind of like an actress, a uh, model who like really like you know wasn't like making it too big and then she got cast as mel gibson's girlfriend in lethal weapon 3 and then that blew her out into the ether and she she was kind of a big deal all through the 90s and the first like you know like i'll say all the way through probably about 2005 six ish and then she got like really known as like this milfish character because she aged really well and she just you know always was a great looking woman whatever but like one thing i will say is this movie is responsible for creating one of my favorite movies of all time zach so this awesome. movie had a few uh writers on it and this was actually his first credit was a writer named dan gilroy and he met renee russo and how big of a chat is this guy is he just a regular guy a writer and uh he meets uh this uh actress model and then like they get married right away and they've been married ever since for the last whatever you know 20 30 years since this movie came out but that led to them working together and making one of the best movies of the last decade or so i'm talking about the one the only nightcrawler starring the boy jake gyllenhaal you ever see that film that is good hell yeah, yeah. i actually went to see it twice in the theater i loved it so much Dog. I, I love the part where uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal takes her to like the Mexican restaurant. And he's like weirdly proposing that they have this relationship together. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a big Chad in that movie. Well, you know, you know what's kind of funny is, um, yeah, at the time that that movie just came out, whatever it was, five or six years ago, you know, it was very shocking that Jake Gyllenhaal would like go into these uh, houses, these murder scenes, and film it, and then he would sell the news footage. But now that's pretty much what all the Peacocks and the Netflixes are doing, <laughs> just like with all their serial killer shit. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> now this okay, this is a touch. This is a touch that you don't see in movies. They always had the the heroes or somebody trying to make a getaway. They always had to get like the most ridiculous car in action movies. Do you remember this trend? Like in mm-hmm. T2, they steal that gardener truck. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And this one, Emilio kind of—they kind of cribbed that. And Emilio, he steals a uh, champagne truck, which has all these windows in it that that are just open. And every time he makes a, uh, you know, makes a tight corner, like all these thousands of bottles of champagne come out. But if you look closely, like they're like uh, <laughs> plastic bottles because they never break. <laughs> Did you? Are you hearing the yells that are yeah. yelling? That's they're like they're very they're mixed really well. Like, yeah, it, it, like there's well. a lot of like wow, <laughs> like that wow. Yeah, that but, one um, sounded very familiar. But uh, yeah, the Wilhelm scream. Sorry, boy George Lucas always used. But uh, mm. I guess we should say besides the giant tanks that Milk Jagger, like his underlings, they drive around in like doom buggies, and I think that's kind of like the funniest thing of like this movie is that people would. Uh, you know, be driving doom buggies around in a futuristic yeah, way. Doom buggies. That's fucking. That sounds hardcore. Yeah, but you notice too, like, like okay, this is the first shot of the movie where you can kind of see it. Like all of um, Mick Jagger's <laughs> fleet of vehicles, they're all in designer colors. Did you pick up on that? Oh yeah, very, very uh, pastel fucking uh, gang here. Did you see the way the the uh, the laptop opened up that was very yeah. Jazz. Now I was gonna say like there there's a lot of ways that this movie didn't get the future right and there's a lot of ways where it, it got it perfect. So like the video calls on the giant flat screens there was no flat screens in 1992 like they totally predicted that right. Um, uh, this shitty champagne truck Emilio uh, steals. I like that one the doom buggy that like just went up on the ramp for no reason and crashed. But uh, yeah, it has this like laptop in it with the screen. It looks like it's off to the side, but it kind of reminds me, you know, how the Tesla cars have that screen in them now. Mm-hmm. It looks exactly like that. And I like that Mick Jagger can override the laptop in Emilio's car. He's like hacking it. He may, and Emilio keeps trying to uh, close the screen so he doesn't see him. And then he just keeps like popping it back open. It's very. I, I couldn't tell if they did that with stop motion animation or how they did it, but it looked it, something maybe CGI. Something looked off about it. Well, I I, th- I think I think it was like a real thing, opening and closing, but they have to like composite in the screen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. His face. See, that's what I wish. Like they just made a fucking OS that like you boot up and it's his face doing that. Like fucking. Yeah. Like that's what we need. Now, the first time I saw this movie, I actually liked it a lot. I just thought Mick Jagger was terrible in it. Like, and it was mostly from this scene. It's really the only scene that I think he's actually legit bad in was just like, they have him just yelling out these terrible one-liners like, Furlong, I'm going to catch you. Furlong. And it was like, his voice is like not intimidating, but like the rest of the movie where he's kind of like quiet and more serious. Like, I don't think Mick Jagger's actually even bad in this movie, but I like the thing, Amelia, you saw this a lot in eighties, nineties, uh, action where they have to drive the car underneath a, a, tr- a tr- like a, tractor trailer and like it shears off the top of the car and makes it a convertible i love that like you ever see that in old movies all the time uh, yeah they uh, fucking they uh, fucking uh, again back to back to the future he does he kind of does that with the skateboard fucking yeah. you broke it fucking that's a very chat shit yeah. I, lo- I love this the scene same. even though it's some weird green screen where emilio drives the car into the end of the bridge and he jumps off the side of it 
Isn't it funny? Like uh, we talked over a really uh, probably the worst uh, green screen in the yeah. movie uh, whenever they're going up the elevator. And I was going to mention like, isn't it funny to think like how bad this looks? And the fact is that like this is how they make every movie now, and it hasn't gotten <laughs> that much better. <laughs> well, you, you know, you know why it looked the way it looked is I don't think that was actually technically green screen. I think that was rear projection. I think. Because it used to come out looking a little shittier like that. Instead of doing the green screen, they would actually have, like, it, like Emilio sitting in a car in front of, like, an actual movie screen playing the footage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then they would film him in front of this screen. And, like, that's actually how they make the Mandalorian now. But, like, yeah, back then it always looked a little, like, off. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it kind of happened so fast. But, like, when he went to see his ex-wife, his, his wife... Um, was just like struggling with them and trying to turn and she did turn him into Mick Jagger. She called the cops or whatever. Cause she doesn't know if it's really him or not. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he says, I'm Alex and, and she says, bullshit. You're the guy who stole his body. But then finally she sees, um, well actually she finds out when Mick Jagger shows up and he says something about him. Like she realizes like, she puts two and two together that like, Oh, the cops don't show up. Mick Jagger shows up mm-hmm. one to capture him. She's like, that would only happen if it really was the real Alex Furlong, you know? Yeah. And I, that, how bad would you feel after that? Fucking like, oh shit, uh, like what if I never oh, see yeah. him again? Hell yeah. And she oh, feels or, or like or she turned him in and then his body did get stolen, you know what I mean? That'd be weird too to like uh, think about like uh, when people die, it's like, oh now now it's possible somebody's going to show up or to be them. like that kind of happens like my uh, my grandma that died uh friended me on Facebook the other day oh. and it's like I know that it's some fucking asshole, like, uh, you know, because you get these people from, like, family members doing shit like that all the time. Yeah, year, yeah, years after my dad passed away, maybe two or three years after my dad passed away, I started getting emails from him again. Fucking very low T, fucking yeah. how they do that, yeah. But yeah, uh, imagine, like, those people just take up the fucking body, that would be fucking, uh, that is... Very weird. See, what if the, the whole time they could just play it off and be like, yeah, we were making like a metaphor. Uh, we meant that it would happen, but uh, digitally on uh, uh, right. on your computer. Uh, <laughs> give us a medal or something. And it would be some guy from like Nigeria trying to scam you using your dead grandma's name or whatever. Oh, yes. Now, I got to think that like because like, this scene it's not a bad scene. I actually kind of like it because it's so bizarre. But like and I thought they should have played this up more, but like. There's this weird scene now where he washes up on the docks because he jumped over the bridge. And, and I think this this had to be one of the reshoots because it serves no purpose other than just to kind of like check in and show some more character moment here. Is that he, hey, well, he, he talks to a homeless guy here. You mentioned they added uh, a bunch of like uh, jokes. So that's probably yeah. what that, that stuff with uh, uh, Mick Jagger doing the one-liners probably was. Probably a day's worth of shooting. Yeah, because those were probably the the cut ins to Mick Jagger yelling that shit. That probably was like an easy reshoot to do. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. just a tight shot on his face yelling shit with wind going in his hair. Yeah, when I watched this, I did think like, oh, it, you know, it it does seem like fucking you know one of those like action movies. Like I've never been huge in the action movies, but like yeah, I'm trying to get into them. Watch slowly. Uh, like watching some of the ones people say is their best, uh, but like that was something I never gravitated towards as a kid for some reason. The action movies. Yeah, I was surprised when you said that. I mean, I think I think it's too. It's one of those things you kind of had to live the decade. I think if you would have been like around my age and you had grown up more in the '80s, I think you'd be into them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think more than anything, they were just movies for guys. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Just shit you watch with your buddies or whatever. Now, this was weird, man. He gets up and there's like another guy's feet by his head. I'm like, who's up there? Like, I want to know. Yeah, we never meet the man whose feet those belong to. Amazing. But the homeless guy tells this weird story about an eagle diving into the water or some shit. Like, I never followed that story at all. But, like, finally, Emilio gets up. And, like, they, they have the dialogue about the guys eating sewer rat. And he's like, oh, you want some sewer rat or whatever? And he's like, or no, it's river rat. And he's like, no, I don't want any. It's gross. And he's like, oh, I put barbecue sauce on it. It's just kind of like some goofy shit. But the thing that's interesting about that scene is, and I wish they would have played this up more, is when Emilio finally goes, okay, I'm going to go. And he walks away. The guy's, like, under his breath. He's like, all right, good luck, Alex Furlong. So, like, they kind of hint at it, but it's, like, because they keep putting out the reward, like, on the news and shit. Like, oh, help us capture this man or whatever. Like, like Emilio is kind of, like, like, everybody knows he's a free jack, but he's kind of becoming, like, a folk hero for the poor people in the city. You know what I mean? Because they're like, yeah, fuck that corporation and shit. And, like, it, like... Mm-hmm. You know, you think this would be undercover, but for the most part, people kind of know what's going on with the stealing of dead of uh, dead people and stealing their bodies at this point. Mm-hmm. You see, I, I think this is a reshoot too, where he just sees all the homeless people and like he sees the little baby covered in like dirt. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like again, like I think this is kind of like like it's weird because it's like this movie doesn't really forecast two thousand nine all that well kind of forecast like 2020 pretty well like because <laughs> i mean like the, the the millions of homeless in like new york and la everywhere now just like everywhere and it's like and everybody's either, going on too yeah yeah everybody's <laughs> super rich super poor what you know what i mean like it kind of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah i was gonna say this chick is giving me like uh fucking gina davis vibes or something i don't know what it was Think like, of that yeah, hair. The, yeah. And that guy, he, he was, uh, who's that guy again? That, that, that guy is a guy named Grand L. Bush. And I want to say at this, I mean, he was in a ton of stuff. He, I, for some reason, he, I guess because he's kind of a big, bulky guy, he would always play like football players and shit. But he was most famous as playing one of the guys in Die Hard. He was uh, one of the CIA guys with Robert Davey flying around in the helicopter. And eventually, like, they get blown up. But uh, I want to say he was uh, he played our boy, the boxer in Street Fighter. Remember that? They like carved up his hair, made him all weird looking. I knew I recognized him from something. Fucking what a Chad! Pure Chad. He was a pretty big Chad in uh, movies back then. And then I don't know what happened to him. I looked him up. He still looks like pretty much the same now, even all these years later. So looks like a big fucking Chad. Now, this is where Emilio and Rene Russo kind of reconnect, and she finally, you know, it's it's like, yeah, like, because they explain, because uh, how, how did Emilio get into the apartment or whatever, and it's like, actually Mick Jagger hacked the computer and just left the door open so he could sneak in. That's why she never thought it was really him, like, you know, how the fuck did you get in here? But she didn't realize that, you know, they were just setting a trap for Emilio. Mm-hmm. Now, now, real quick... Um, because Emilio was actually my favorite actor in the 80s. Like, he was, like, just from seeing him in all the shit, like The Outsiders. He made that movie I really love called Wisdom. He made another movie I really love called uh, um, uh, That Was Then, This Is Now. He did a lot of S.E. Hinton stuff. And then later, I became a huge Repo Man fan. So, I mean, I was all about, like, you know, when this movie came out, when Judgment Night came out, I was always all about it. Like, to the point when Mighty Ducks came out, even though I was still young enough 
to really be part of the audience. I just didn't care because I'm like, oh, what's corny hockey shit, whatever. And like now I love the Mighty Ducks. I it was, actually it was only like three or four years ago I went back and we watched them all. But uh, wh- what was your opinion of Emilio? Like you know, growing up or you know? I I liked Emilio. I I never saw him in a lot of stuff though. He was, he was one of those guys like, oh, the Mighty Duck guy. See, I'm I'm such a fucking lame fucking millennial motherfucker. You are. What, are you one of those guys uh, that they talk about? He don't want to go work at McDonald's because he's getting three hundred dollars a week. Are you one of those? Hell yes! <laughs> Hell yes! You'll never go back to making the fries, no matter how much they pay you. Mm-hmm. If McDonald's was paying people like eighty thousand dollars a year to go make French fries, like you think I'd people call. would do it? I would quit my job. I would actually be making more money to go work at McDonald's if they're paying eighty thousand. Oh yeah. Now they're kind of, they're kind of showing the city and like like everybody's like I'm sure it's the same twenty future vehicles that they got driving around and shit. But um, but you like yeah yeah they're kind of showing it all off here. Like I don't know like other than the fact that they're all wobbly on their tires or whatever, I think these future cars are pretty cool. Yeah, they're not bad. I've seen worse. Fucking uh. Nothing's coming to mind, but I, I'm, I've seen worse. Fucking uh, the, the cars they drive in the Flintstones were bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do a pee real quick. I'll be right back, baby. All right, go for it. So, yeah, this is kind of funny. This is, like, another thing, too. Like, this weird nightclub that they go to. Because uh, Rene Russo um, knows a guy that helps smuggle Free Jacks. Which I don't even know if I really described that yet or not, but a free the, the movie call, is called Free Jack, obviously, but the term Free Jack is um is uh the the name of somebody who, you know, gets sucked out of the, the past and then get the body stolen, but they somehow get free and get away. You know, they become like this big fugitive. And like I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, I have no idea because I don't really know the background of the novel that this movie was based on. But um I wonder how much like the concept and everything was based on uh, Richard Bachman, aka Stephen King's *The Running Man*, because it's it's very similar kind of setup. I mean, obviously different kind of premise, but but a lot of the the running around and the stuff going on is kind of the same. Hopefully, Zach uh, finishes quick because I want to talk about the scene with them. But um, yeah, just I don't know, man. Like I just I I love this uh, this type of movie. Like now when you watch, you know. I really consider this a chase movie. It's like, yeah, it's science fiction and there's some bits of action, but it's not really an action movie. Like you don't really see Emilio like kicking ass, kicking ass throughout it. Like he kind of just some shit happens and he's always trying to stay one step ahead of the people. So like, I don't really consider this an, I mean, it is an action movie, but it's more of a chase thriller is what I would say. But right now it's a pretty interesting scene because he's at this club and there's like just like a roving camera. I guess they another thing that this movie is really, you know, kind of, you know, predicting in the future would just there would be so many, you know, channels on TV. They needed content and all that stuff. So it's like literally just a TV show on live TV of a lady going around interviewing people in a nightclub, and um, the lady is like another another Mick Jagger influence. Hold on a second. Are you back, Zach? I am, baby. Okay, we, we we just missed it just now, but like that lady that comes up and interviews him on the TV show, mm-hmm. that was uh, Jerry Hall, which was Mick Jagger's wife at the time, 
and she had a small part as the Joker's girlfriend in Batman 1989. Hell yeah. Yeah, she was really famous for a long time. A couple of years ago, she had a dating show where she dated younger men. I didn't see it, but uh, I saw the commercials for was it. She a, was she a big Stacy? Huge Stacy. She was like of the Stacy era of like the tall, thin, oh, blonde yeah. women. And she was a, like a runway model and everything, and also like a print model. But uh, I thought it was interesting. Mick was like, okay, you wrote me in this. You got to give a part for my wife, too. Fucking Chad. And they were together I... for decades, but yeah. Yeah, I, I like the Rolling Stones. Fucking yeah, they're good. They jad. They jad. I was just listening to some Rolling Stones yesterday. I can't remember what it was. But I, uh, I, I like that song. It's like fucking, it's about like, I'll never, like, uh, something about leaving the pizza burning. How's it go? Fucking, leaving the pizza ne- burning. Never leave your pizza burning. burning. Fucking jad shit. I like this kind of, it's kind of one of their more corny songs. Uh, it's kind of like almost like a disco song, but it's like hot stuff, hot stuff. I think the only Rolling Stone song that I don't like, and I did like it originally, but then fucking Windows ninety five beat it to death with "Start Me Up." I got tired of that being in every fucking commercial. Hell yes, fucking uh, that is where he says "Make a grown man come" though. He yeah, is, make he, a grown man come. He, he is fucking the hinting at our Illuminati ties. So fucking the big comes. Now, unfortunately, you missed it, but uh, did you think it was funny? Because I thought like, oh shit, they're in on it. He's got set up when he goes to the uh, when they go to that nightclub, and the guys he just sits down at the bar while Renato Russo is talking to the guy, and he just orders a drink, and the guy just hands him like a a glass of blue piss. And he drinks it, and he immediately starts getting all fucked up, and like his vision is all blurry and shit. Like, like I thought somebody, I thought they're like, oh, they drugged him, so you know Mick Jagger can come steal him or whatever. But it's like, no, it's just like that. That drink was so powerful, it just fucks you up the second you drink it. Fucking hell yeah, that's that's how they've evolved, baby. They they they, they fucking they, they've strengthened their livers to the fucking that point. And I think that was definitely a reshoot scene where they interview him or whatever, because um, because uh. When Jerry Hall interviews him, he did you notice he did an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression and he did a line for the mm-hmm. Terminator? He goes, Fuck you, asshole. Like, it, it's like the only moment of the entire movie where, where I cringed, honestly. It was just like, it's, I, it's so cheesy and so bad. It looked like they had to twist his arm to get him to do that. Almost. Yeah. Something about the way he delivers that. <laughs> They're like, Emilio, we did the test screen. The, the, the 14 year old girls in Peoria. They 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 want more humor. You're a hunky guy. Be funny. Fucking, he's like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to do this. This feels so uncomfortable, but it's just like you have to. Yeah. <laughs> they probably like did like multiple takes where he just did all the famous lines from different. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and like I was saying when you're gone, Zach. Like I mean, like we were talking about this being an action movie. I don't really consider this an action movie. I mean, this is more like a. I mean, there is action sequences, but the majority of this is really, like, story-based science fiction, wouldn't you say? Like, where he's just getting chased around and trying to figure out, like, how do I reverse this? It's basically, like, an outlaw-type movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I thought this was interesting, um, where he finally reconnects with his wife, and, like, he's getting romantic, and... um 
and, and, and you know, at the time when I saw this as a kid, I was like, oh, that's like a little weird. Like it's almost 20 years in the future and she looks the same. But she really doesn't. Like she looks, they somehow made her look younger. Like not that she looks old now, like in this current part of the movie, but like she just looks more mature or something in this part of the movie compared to like the or opening scenes or whatever. But I, but I always thought it was interesting that like he's trying to get romantic with her and she's like, she really just, like doesn't even want to fall back in love with him because she's like, you died to me, and he, he's like, yeah, but to me that she says like eighteen years or whatever, and he's like, yeah, but for me it was yesterday. I thought that was an interesting storyline, and then she's like, I'm so much older now, but I'm just like, you're still a Stacy. He don't care, you know. Exactly. Fucking that. That's what you gotta do. Like sometimes you get in those moods where you just want to like fucking just slip into the DMs of all your fucking the the kids you went to high school with and like fucking like do I still got a chance? Fucking just to throw the feelers out there. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now I don't know why, but I kind of feel like this maybe might have been a reshoot scene too, where like we need to hate him more, the bad yeah. guy. Because they really, Jonathan Banks, which is kind of weird, too, because it's like this movie is kind of like a mystery going on where you don't know who hired to get Emilio's body. So, like, they're hiding that from you, but then they're trying to set up at the same time that the guy that runs the company that Rene Russo works at is a bad guy. So he's, like, slapping the nun around that helped Emilio. And it's just, like, all she did was give him some clothes and a gun, and that was, like, three days ago. So it's, like... He did a good big cum face there that looked very vulnerable. <laughs> he did. She kicked him in the nuts and he did a big cum. Now this is where this is where Emilio gets his really like Chad outfit. He gets this like long sleeve white shirt and then he gets these pants that are like so billowy, like on the legs. You notice that? Fucking Chad. He's got the fucking he's got the stud uh, all the shit. He's got it hooked up, baby. No, like like I, I don't really mean this in a bad way. Like they're they're kind of setting up that Emilio is going to run away. Like you know the her friend that ran the nightclub knows somebody that has a boat, and you know he's it's kind of like underground railroad kind of I don't know analogy or whatever. Uh, that you know they're going to smuggle Emilio away at the end of the night. But like I don't mean this in a bad way because like the movie's not like boring or anything to me. But I but I almost feel like the, like this part of the movie. And then, like, the ending, it's like, I almost feel like all this kind of could have been combined instead of two big action scenes just into one action scene. Because it's like, I don't know, like, like, you kind of know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's, it's kind of like everything's been established, everything's been character. Mm -hmm. Like, we, like, we could, like, we don't have to, but we could go into the ending of the movie right now. Because, like, it kind of weirds me out. Because whenever I watch this, I think this is, like, leading into the end part of the movie. But we're only, like, an hour into the movie at this point. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the pacing is a little uh, weird, yeah. It could have been due it, to the reshoots, too, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like, that's just fucking, like, that's just one of those things, too, yeah. That seemed to have happened a lot back in the, the 80s, like, reshoots and stuff, and then, like, and then how do you, like, balance it out with the old stuff? Yeah. Because, especially, you know, it's like... Not that either part really slows the movie down, because it's like, you know, this is like a movie that's a little bit under two hours, but then it also feels like it should be like a 95-minute movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, they fill it up with tons of action and stuff. I think actually this scene coming up, which which this is almost like the big action finale of the movie, like there is action that happens at the end, but they kind of like are always cutting away from it and not really showing you it. But I think this scene was kind of like you know, in the original version, whatever, 
Um, like this is the scene, like you finally find out who her bodyguard friend is. Like we get some little background on the, on the, on the, on the, like, I don't even know really what it is. I guess he's her bodyguard. Cause you know, they live in this dangerous society and she's a high level executive for this company or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he's like really willing to do all this dangerous shit to help her. And it's just like, I wonder what was really going on between her and, and the bodyguard guy before Emilio popped back up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking stud shit exactly yeah fucking but, just, they were tying each other up tying each other down i think but like, like what i was talking about earlier is like i think a theme they could explore a little more within this running time because you know it's a, it, this is almost a, a two-hour movie i mean you have the breathing room here but um it's with the the bodyguard guy here he explains to to Emilio like, Hey man, just keep running, keep doing what you're doing, you know, you're aspiring a lot of people. My grandmother looks up to you and he's like Emilio's like, Shit, you know, I ain't no hero, I'm just trying to save my own ass or whatever. I think they could have played that up more. Um and that's also when you're gone, I was talking about like there's a lot of similarities with this movie, I think, in the running man that came out, you know, a few years or four or five years before this. Whereas, like, maybe they didn't go that way because it would be too much like The Running Man, how everybody was, all the poor people were rooting for Arnold or whatever. But it, it definitely feels like they're setting that up in the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, I couldn't help but think while I was watching the movie, like, how much better it would have been if the plot was, like, fucking Emilio gets there and then he gets cucked by, like, fucking <laughs> the Rolling Stones and the bodyguard fucking his yeah. girl. And they're just, like, fucking the... Mick Jagger's like, Emilio, come swim in my stew. And fucking, like, Emilio's got to fucking do it. Like, that would have been donk. I got to say, like, for this being an R-rated movie from the early 90s, whatever, like, Mick Jagger is, like, weirdly kind of sexless, considering, like, like, shouldn't there have been a shot where, like, he answers a phone call or something, and there's, like, a naked girl in the bed behind him or something? You know what I'm saying? Like... And he just reacts he just reacts like Alex, like yeah. Hello love, I was yeah. gonna hit you with the old in out and fucking whatever <laughs> he says. Like he just talks like that, that'd be Chad. And they, he if he had like the little extra eyelash on on the mm-hmm. one side. And like and like he sees on the news that Emilio's running free, so he's like, I gotta get ready. Bring me my bowl of milk and I'll lick it up. <laughs> It just gives that Kubrick stare. I just yeah. drink in the milk. Hell yeah. I, I yeah, especially because you you know it's Mick Jagger and like you're kind of leaning into that Clockwork Orange futuristic vibe here. I I would have had to do it, done that. I would have been like, come on, Mick, we got to do it. Like, and he's got like a big fucking rubber penis that he strokes <laughs> and then and it milks <laughs> into the cup and then like the buddies in his gang drinks it. See, imagine how much better a Clockwork Orange would have been if he had been in it. Like this exactly. is what this is all the ideas Stanley Kubrick thought of, but like he couldn't just because he wasn't in the movie. I've seen his uh, unreleased documents of his ideas. Yeah. Now, basically, what happened here was um, they were waiting for Emilio at the dock. Mick Jagger was, but what he didn't know, because uh, Jonathan Banks, the guy running the big corporation, he originally hired Mick Jagger to bring in Furlong. Um, but he never says it's for him, so like again, they're alluding there's a background mystery that you don't know what's going on yet, which is kind of painfully obvious in all honesty. But you know, it is what it is. Like back then, like they they weren't trying to hide shit; they were just trying to be vague. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. But like he doesn't think that Mick, you know, because Emilio has slipped away so many times now, and Mick Jagger's not getting the job done. 
Uh, isn't Mick Jagger like his group of guys, his personal army? Aren't they called like the Bone Jackers or something? <laughs> yeah, something that sounds very oddly sexual, like something they do to you in a gay porn. Like yeah. yeah. But anyway, like, like, cause Mick Jagger's not getting the the deal done, or whatever. He also hires like a second group of of mercenaries to come get Emilio, um, and I think those guys are actually trying to kill Emilio, but um. But those guys are basically just like homeless guys with machine guns, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like Mick Jagger, him and his like stormtroopers are all outfitted and nice things. These guys are just like street bums. They should have played up Mick Jagger's whole like. Uh, they should have made him like a Professor Clouseau type, and he's just like uh, always fucking up, and like he's a bumbling. Yeah. Like he keeps trying to come up with these ideas, and he keeps fucking up. Like uh, it kind of ends that way anyway, where they're just like. Fucking, uh, it's like, why'd you send him? Like, he's, he's doing really bad. Aren't you pretty powerful? <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's one of those things. He probably was always getting it done in the past, just now. But, yeah, fucking our boy, Mighty Ducks, uh, Emilio, he's, he's too slick. Yeah. There was a... That's so sad that I know him as a Mighty Ducks guy. <laughs> that was, like, the thing that ruined his career, yeah, and that's all anybody knows at this I'm point. Actually, I actually kind of am looking forward to watching the, the new Mighty Ducks series or whatever. I am, too, and I know he's going to have a smaller role in it, but I, w- I was actually hoping he would have enough self-respect not to come back and do it. But Eh, fucking... I would like to see him come back. <laughs> I'm such a cuck. I'm such a beta millennial cuck. You're uh, you're one of those guys that Bad always talks about. You're too obstre- obsessed with the mainstream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All you care oh, about yeah. is superhero films and um, the Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a cool shot earlier, though, where uh, the bodyguard guy, Grainel Bush, he blew himself up with a grenade when all the homeless mercenaries got all the bum mercenaries. Do you see that? And then, like, they kind of, like, cut it weird, but there's, like, it's, like, the explosion happens, and, like, Mick Jagger's, like, standing nearby, and he just, like, watches it happen. They kind of do, like, a power shot with Mick mm-hmm. Jagger. And it's it's odd, too, that, like, all of a sudden everybody's wearing these helmets now. Like, they're almost, like, especially the one Mick Jagger has, like, it's almost like they have GoPro cameras on the top, but they never really explain that. See, I always think of this. You always see in movies where they like try to hit him in the head and they just fall immediately. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, fucking, imagine if you like the movies they get you in that kind of mentality. And like the next time you need that, like your house is being robbed or something, you try it, and mm-hmm. the guy doesn't fucking fall down. Like, what do you do? Like, that'd be that would not be fun. Yeah, movies did not tell me how to deal with this uh, version of events. Yeah. But this movie does, and because it's red pilled, and it's fucking, it's in, it knows this shit. This is a cool scene here where um, Emilio is fighting this big brutish stormtrooper guy, and uh, he he grabs the guy's stun gun and he shoots it up the pole and electrocutes the guy. I thought that was like a cool touch. It is, but like he, I like how he basically got him to skip a beat long enough to not kill him by mm-hmm. by basically saying what did he say he said uh oh stunners only because he knows that they're <laughs> they're trying to capture him alive and then he and then he just stared at his own gun yeah like he was yeah the, the guy life. the guy like he like emilio had attacked him or whatever and he dropped his rifle which had the stun gun so he just had a regular pistol and he's just going to shoot mm-hmm. emilio and kill him and emilio was like uh oh stunners only fucking oh, you know, a bitch ad see that was smart of me 
Fucking I missed the context. See, yeah. I don't get this though. And I was like, was this like a deleted scene? And there's like another thing too that kind of doesn't add up. But at first, Emilio takes the guy's helmet and puts it on. I thought, oh, he's like going to like. At first, I thought he was going to like steal the guy's uniform and blend in with the stormtroopers and, and get away. But no, he's just walking around in his normal clothes with his big helmet on. And it's like, well, what purpose does this helmet like do? You know, it's, it looks it, badass. Like, because they kind of, when they show the, the grill of it, like the glass plate of it, it, it kind of has like these little grid lines on it. I was like, is that like an Iron Man suit? Does it tell you all this information? But like, they never show that. He's just walking around with this Mega Man helmet on. Maybe that was like, because he looks like he's badass. He's 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 got everything on the side. They, they really thought they were going to make that fucking helmet look badass on the million yeah, like, big action it's, star. It's really, I always say that too in like movies where they just basically made shitty bulky um motorcycle helmets and they try to make it like stormtrooper helmets. it was like no it was like be like star wars like star wars didn't like take a motorcycle helmet and mold around it they made their own shit you know mm-hmm. the only thing i can think of because because mick jagger he's the only one but he has like the um the my the giant microphone on his motorcycle helmet like mm-hmm. i would think maybe amelia would put the helmet on to like you know, hear what the guys are saying to each other. So, you know, like listening in on the radio, but they never established that. Like he never hears anything through the helmet. Yeah. It's almost like I thought they were setting up that he, he was going to break out into a fucking song anytime. And it was going to end with like the Rolling Stones are coming to help me play a fucking show in the loft. And it was just going to like, it was all going to fucking come down to like a big dance scene at the end where they're all having a good time. Like it, it fucks and it fucks with you. It's like him and Jagger have a sing-off. Like, Jagger's all, like, shaking his hips and pouting his lips and singing his shit. And then Emilio's screaming the fucking Black Flag lyrics that he sang in uh, Repo Man. Amazing. See, we're we're making the movie better. We need to get Mick Jagger to fucking make his, uh, draw 3D models of us sitting on our computers and then fucking, like, aim it at us or aim it wherever and fucking, like, go back in time or rewrite the script one last time. Give our boy Mick Jagger a reason to, like, oh, then I read the script and I was like, holy fucking shit, this is amazing. Mick Jagger saying, You make a grown man come. And then Milo takes those and he's like, TV party tonight. We're going to have a TV party oh, tonight. Yes. All right. Amazing. See, fucking, they needed us. We're what they needed. We should have done the reshoots. Mm. Even though we were like 12 and 3 years old at the time. We would have been able to complete and get it done on time. <laughs> yeah. I do like this scene, though, where he comes face-to-face, and Emilio's like, how come I just shouldn't AK-47 you in the face, fucker? And he's, you know, because Mick Jagger won't give up the name because he's trying to figure out, like, who's trying to buy for my, you know, pay for my body or whatever, and he won't tell him. But it's, Mm -hmm. like, the thing of, like, Emilio kind of saved him from the homeless mercenaries, and it's like they kind of had a a, kind of interesting little moment of trust between them here. But then it instantly gets wiped out because, like, Jagger's like, oh, I, I lived up to my end of the deal. Blah, blah. And, he, and he's like, but then, like, next thing you know, they're just surrounded by stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. You know what? If, like, if they did a new Critters movie and fucking they had Charlie Bounty Hunter and they couldn't oh, yeah. get the other guy back, Ugg, I would be like, you know what? I'm okay with you getting fucking Mick Jagger to to, oh, repri- yeah. to do the other role. I, I would come. Although I would think that the other guy that played the whatever, the fake rock star, what was his name? Johnny or whatever? 
Johnny something. Yeah, Power of the Night. I always forget the yeah. name of the character. I think you, I think you would get that guy cheaper than you would get Mick Jagger at this point. Probably. But like, it, imagine if they had Johnny and Mick Jagger. He was the other fucking tortilla head. Yeah. It's kind of weird because, like I said, when I originally saw this movie for the first time, like, it was right up my alley. I really liked it. Um, you know, I was just kind of predisposed to like it because I liked Emilio and his action. Was, you know, I like futuristic type movies and shit. But it's like at the time to me, like, it was just like, why the fuck you get Mick Jagger? Like, he's not threatening. <laughs> he's not whatever. But then when you watch the movie, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It's just like... But Mick Jagger really doesn't have a character to play. Like, there's nothing that interesting about it. So it's like, if he did just get, like, a a normal actor to come in and play the bad guy, or maybe if he got an action hero to come play Mick Jagger's role, there would be nothing memorable about it. So it's like, even though Mick Jagger doesn't really have anything to do and he's not that great, like, the only thing that's actually memorable about the character is that it is played by Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. And he's a big Chad stud. I mean, yeah, at least he's got that going for him. Exactly. I thought this was funny. Emilio finally opens fire on this tank. Like, he's finally getting some balls. Like, he's ready to kill now. He's been pushed to the... And then it turns out it's Rene Russo driving the giant tank. Fucking... What are they trying to say? They're trying to red pill. See, the fucking... The metaphysical is coming in. Like, the fucking... Even visually, they're taunting us by making the fucking... The very phallic... uh, very ballsy uh, weapon of uh, mass destruction in the scene is the tank itself. And it's manned by, oh, it's not manned at all. It's manned by a woman. Fucking very, very progressive. Whoa. Very red-pilled. I heard, I heard that um, this was the film which, where Rene Russo drives the tank. This was the film that made all the Disney executives want to get into film production and then mandate that every movie be taken over by a woman hero. Hell yeah, fucking fucking step on me, queen. Yeah. So now women can fucking be the big guys in suits that fucking step on you and make you do uh, work harder for uh, not good pay. Fucking yes, queen. When they was they when check. they was <laughs> when they was making those new Star Wars movies, and they're like, what would we what would we call the the automatically female hero? And they're like, oh, we should do Renee as a tribute to Renee Russo and Free Jack. And they're like. Renee is kind of hard to say. Let's shorten it down. They're like, okay, instead of Renee, we'll just do Ray. They're like, okay, yeah, that's that's good. Fucking uh, see, this movie is like just uh, it's stimulating every fucking movie franchise. That, that 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 entire series was just fucking shit until they finally did that, and then like yeah. as we saw with the fucking uh, the popularity, everybody loved that version better. Yeah, that character was way better. Mm-hmm. But it, like. It's weird, though, because it's like... I mean, obviously, this movie really wasn't influ- influential on films at the time because, you know, it wasn't popular or whatever. Like, I don't even think it was... It wasn't even one of those movies that, like, got popular later on, like, HBO or video or anything. But it's weird that when you watch it because it's like... There's so much shit in it that was, like, in other movies later at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Our boy Westside with the fucking... Uh, the athlete's feet on his face he just took those glasses off he has one of the lenses is darker than the other so i was thinking oh did he, is he losing an eye he just took him off nope he's just it's just a cool fashion statement he just has some glaucoma in the one eye oh is that what it said okay yeah i thought i made a funny joke there and i'm fucking i'm terrible 
<laughs> no, I'm just covering for the bizarre reason for him to not. That must have been like, what do you call it? Like an ad lib. Like he's like, I'll take the glasses off. And they're like, yeah, that would be cool. That would be a cool dramatic moment. You take the glasses off. And then later they're like, oh shit. Like, like he was supposed to, the character was supposed to be missing an eye, but then we didn't do any makeup. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, he wasn't supposed to. Now, this is kind of, like, the only, like, weird part. Like, I was reading somebody's article, and they are trying to guess, like, what was the reshoot and what. And, like, there is, like, some weird shit, and it kind of begins here. Because here you have, like, this this whole kind of, like, army of guys, like, security guard, armed security guard guys that are guarding the corporation, whatever. And later, Mick Jagger's going to come in with his guys and have a big shootout and kill most of these guys. And it's like, you kind of don't get to see any of that. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny though, like the way they have like Emilio because they're trying to figure out okay who's really behind this. We got to go to the the corporate the McCannless headquarters. So he does it by making it seem like he's turned on Renee Russo and holding her at gunpoint. But I don't think for a second that they would really care if he killed her. Like, shouldn't he be putting the gun yeah. to his own head? Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I was thinking like maybe there's like a, a you know a, something they're gonna pull out of nowhere and it's gonna be like oh actually we needed both of you alive but yeah yeah which which they actually kind of do which which oh. I, I yeah it's a, but but like they wouldn't know that that's what's weird I guess I guess we're mm-hmm. getting into like the end part of the movie so yeah. let's just let's just talk about it so this is where everything unravels or whatever and like the guy who's running the corporation like he knows that like you know him and um i guess we should say too that there was kind of like a a ticking time bomb sort of aspect to this was once you die and you need a new body and they go steal one for you you only have i forget what they say like 36 48 hours something like that it's like a day and a half to get transported before like they temporarily like download your 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 mind. Like it's not a physical brain transplant. It's like your consciousness into this computer that they call like the spiritual highway or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, so whoever is wanting to buy his body, like it can't be this guy who's running the corporation who wants it because he's still alive. So it's like basically like this guy, even though he was hired to get Alex Furlong's body for the whoever the the person is. Like, he actually wants it to fail because he wants to take the company over. And, like, that's where they unveil that, you know, it was Anthony Hopkins all along. And even though she was talking to him, uh, which is just weird because it's like, like, here they show Anthony Hopkins' corpse and she's all, like, shocked. But it's like, well, why else would the second in, in command at the company be doing all this shit if, it, if he didn't need the body for Anthony Hopkins? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's kind of, like, a little messy that way. That's the only real criticism See, of the movie. I think they uh, they basically uh, they did a thing like the bull rat movies where they shot first and then had to build the story around it. Yeah. Basically, they snuck in Anthony Hopkins cryogenic sleeping chamber where he was vaping all of those fucking uh, <laughs> dank ass weeds and just filmed him sleeping and <laughs> yeah. then had to fucking basically make a movie around it. Cause, yeah, because it, it wasn't like a dummy laying there at all. It was clearly really Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. But the, this is where Jonathan Banks, the the guy who's temporarily the corporation, he realizes like like he he explains this plot like, hey, it's okay, like because they're running out of time. Like at this point, Anthony Hopkins' mind is getting lost in the in the computer. Like you know he's he, like Anthony Hopkins is kind of living in this lawnmower man virtual world temporarily, but eventually he'll evaporate in there if he doesn't get a body to transfer into. 
pretty... what if this is the Illuminati trying to let us know that Anthony Hopkins really is into that because he was in two two movies now, fucking the Westworld and this movie. You're fucking in like yep. a weird alternate fucking reality. Is this see? This is always the most confusing part of the different seasons of Westworld. Is like fucking right right here where like fucking they're they're basically explaining how it all wraps up and how fucking our boy is still. Controlling the shit, basically, yeah, very, very chat shit. It's all about the man who's pulling the strings behind the scenes. Exactly. But yeah, he basically explains that, like, you know, he didn't want Mick Jagger to really catch him because, you know, if if Anthony Hopkins just his soul or his mind just evaporates into this computer, he gets to be in charge of the company. Mm-hmm. These chicks that have a Chad jawline, what do you think of them? Oh, I think it's great. I think we need okay. more of them. Amazing. See, a chick can pull off the Chad jawline very easily. Like it basically, it just it, now it's like, oh, now she can. She's got more fucking room to take a fucking oh hell yeah, very Chad, very Stacy. Well, I'm surprised with that Chad jawline that they didn't get Renee Russo to replace uh, Michael Keaton as Batman. Mm-hmm. Exactly. See, they could have. See, they they could have done the fucking uh, progressive thing way back then and had a big Stacy ass fucking Batman, big Stacy. It's kind of funny too, because like if you look at Renee Russo, like she doesn't look like Drew Barrymore now, like the way Drew Barrymore actually grew up. But if you look at like Drew Barrymore when she was like a little kid, and then were to guess how she would grow up and look, you think she would look like Renee Russo does now? Like she's kind of got the same lips and nose and eyes, but yeah. Exactly. I feel like I brought it too low uh, brow for for the fucking graveyard episode. Like that was something I I would have said on Maggie. That was not fucking. I I feel like I've tainted your show now with the sick humor. Oh, it's right. it's okay. I I think the uh, the free jack episode is going to be the lowest rated one we've done since the chocolate <laughs> war. <laughs> the chocolate war. Hell yeah. I'm like Disney at this point. I'm daring you not to listen to the podcast. <laughs> hell yeah. Fucking good shit. So yeah, there, there was that other uh, either real rear projection or yeah. the fucking blue screen. But it's weird too. Every time they show that elevator, because earlier in the movie when they showed Jonathan Banks going up in it, it was also very rear projection, blue screeny too. Mm-hmm. This is where Mick Jagger figured out the plot. That's why he killed all the security guards. He he really the guy's name is like Michelet Jonathan Banks. He's taken over the co- company by letting Anthony Hopkins die permanently. Well, no, it fucking, they pissed off Ice Cube because he saw NWA on a video with Michelle, and like that was looking like straight bozos, and he saw it coming. That's why he went solo. That's, that's what he's fucking good shit. But I was gonna say too, it, isn't there like uh, I was thinking about this? Like we know that you know uh, this is CGI and stuff like that. Like, yeah. isn't there kind of a why don't they go back to kind of embracing the the kind of magicalness of like cinema? Like fucking, hey, yeah, we're using stop motion animation. We know it looks, you know, hokey, but it's like, it's yeah. just fucking, it's cinema, baby. Like fucking, uh, like they never do that anymore. It's like, but they're using CG, which we know is uh, cheesy. Yeah, and yeah. we know it's stylize it more maybe like every once in a while have a shot where it's like a rear projection fucking mistake because we we know you can do it with cg and all that shit but it's like does it end up looking much better i i yeah i gotta admit when i watch the older films like this where it's like where the seams i guess you could say the special effects are very obvious 
Like, mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, it's not more convincing than what we have now. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes when I watch the outer space movies, I feel like when they made models, it looked better than the CGI ships now. But for the most part, it's like, it's not that it looks better than now, but there's like a, um artistic charm to it more, right? Like, it just, mm-hmm. it just doesn't look like flat fucking computer garbage. Like, yeah. This is what it would look like if you were walking through a man's erect penis, if we were yeah. like really small. If, like, if you could walk yeah. through a man's urethra. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, see like it his eye, yeah. His little Irish clothes, like he's fucking mecha, like Ridley in the Metroid Zero. Very Chad shit. Mm. But like that, that reminds me of like, oh, it's just like all those Nickelodeon shows back in the day where there'd be an episode where the fucking, the main characters, like they, they end up getting shrunk or whatever. And they're, they're like Rocco's uh, traveling around on his dog, Spunky's uh, on his, uh, Fur and he runs into some fucking like uh, fleas and uh, like they have an adventure and shit like that. Very chat. Now here they get two thousand one space odyssey when they mm-hmm. go into the, the transfer chamber. It's like this giant that, room and they're going through like a giant light tunnel into an alternate dimension. That is the best way to describe this because it really does read just like the fucking ending of that movie. Nothing like fucking uh, arcade by full moon. No. Uh, or uh, fucking Lawnmower Man. It's, it's just well, like that. <laughs> yeah, it was just like 2001. No, I, you're, again, you're probably too young, Zach, but there was a lot of movie theaters. Like, you know how you would go to the movie theater and before the preview start, they're like, they show you the thing of like, oh, no smoking, no talking, buy some concessions. They would always, a lot of the movie theaters would have an opening that lets you go through, like the visual was that you were going through like a light tube like that to like get you mm-hmm. jacked up, excited that the movie was about to start. Yeah, I guess uh, my uh, little hometown one did kind of have that, yeah. Yeah. See, I actually like this, though, because it's, like, it's really trippy and surreal. And, like, mm-hmm. this part I don't think is really, like, oh, shitty budget, cheap effects. I think this is intentionally here that, like, they're in front of this, like, hologram place, and, he, and Anthony Hopkins walks out, and he's, like, part hologram. And it's got this surreal, like, desert behind them, but they're all green-screened. I think this was kind of, like, at least this part of the movie was meant to look like this. Yeah, and, uh, like, it's easy for us to do that, again, like, with the cinema thing, because it's, like, it, it dates back to a very specific time in cinema. It's, like, if a, if a movie kind of did, like, a throwback, kind of, like, we're trying to make it look like it was made in the early 90s and did CG like that, it would I would have a little warm, fuzzy scene, stuff yeah. like that, yeah. And of course, after the uh, the Jonathan Banks guy walked out and explained his master plan, evil master plan that was failing, now Anthony Hopkins walks out and reveals his master plan. That's this failing. is the part of Westworld at the end where he's he's like basically is laying out what is like how it happens, and you're just like, huh? Yeah. Scratching your head because it's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's funny is Andy Hawkins he's he's so full of himself because he came out on a talk show and said this movie sucked uh he doesn't even realize he went back and just remade it with the Westworld because the writers of that were big fans of this and they're like oh we, who can we get to play this role oh yeah let's well since we're basing it all on Free Jack we'll just get Anthony Hopkins again and, you know he yeah he, he's either so old he doesn't realize or he just wants the money enough that he just doesn't mm-hmm. care they were basing it on Free Jack, and uh, Anthony Hawkins was in that. And they were basing it on Free Jack, and it is very based in Red Pill, just like Free Jack. So we'll get fucking Anthony Hopkins. They knew about it. I love how Anthony Hopkins once starred in a horror movie with a ventriloquist dummy, and somehow he thinks this is his worst movie. 
I don't hate that movie. I don't hate that movie. <laughs> you don't like that one? No, it's fine. I've I've never really seen it. Seen it, but it 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 does sound ridiculous when you describe it. Like a yeah. fucking movie where he acts next to a fucking. It, it was it was the cover in the video store. I would always look at it and put it down and not rent it. You think it's gonna be uh, like a, a Chucky type of movie, but yeah. it's actually like a mental kind yeah, of. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty entertaining from what I remember. Yeah. I just he I mean. Oh man, he Anthony Hopkins did so many turds over the years, and it's just like he actually the majority of his bad movies actually came after this movie. So our boy Mick Jagger looks so caught off guard and like what the fuck whenever <laughs> he's in that call that <laughs> it almost makes me think that the camera guy just walked up to him and that's when they told him that he had to do some reshoot. <laughs> he was just he was wearing all that clothes still just for fun. He was like uh, caught on an accidental webcam. Is what it feels like. Oh, See, but I like all this shit. I like all this shit where the background keeps like Andy Hopkins is giving his big speech. I like how the background keeps changing to these different locations. Like the actual yeah. animation, like they just don't fade and dissolve. Like they kind of get glitchy and look matrixy. Like this yeah. is very like Matrix world to me. This was also gonna be ripped off by uh, basically new movies that very big shields uh, just completely blatantly ripped it off right in their fucking uh, Space Jam two completely oh, exactly. ripped this off. We're gonna have happening all inside of a computer and simulation and all this shit. That's exactly what this is, and and I'm sure that probably Warner Brothers was pissed that they lost the distribution rights to Free Jack, so they're like, we'll just remake Space Jam, but we won't really remake Space Jam. We'll kind of like halfway adapt it into uh, uh, Free Jack. No, this was I, like this was the test run. They realized, oh, it's a good thing that wasn't the real Space Jam because that did not make the money we wanted. So like, fucking, we won't take that route. Now this is interesting too. It's like it feels anticlimactic, but like Anthony Hopkins brings up this control panel and he's like, "Oh, I realized how wrong it was." Because he explained that he only wanted Emilio's body because he wanted Rene Russo to fall in love with them, which mm-hmm. like sucking a lady's dead husband out of time and space and taking over his body and then thinking she's just gonna fall for you. <laughs> oh yeah. Because he explains he's always in love with her. But he gives Emilio the code, and he's like, oh, I realize how wrong I was, because now I see how in love you are. So he's like, just type in the code and delete me out of the system, and you two can go to be free. Like, this is obviously, like, a trick. Like, Here, yeah. Here, Here's a better idea. Don't get her dead husband. Still the life of the current husband that she's currently sleeping with. Yeah. The Talking bodyguard guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I guess, like, he needs to... He can't just go... Fucking uh, charm the pants off of her. He he's got a uh, he needs the he needs to utilize the fucking uh, time travel in some way. Yeah, I'm trying to think who was the president back in 2009. Was it Obama? Oh, uh, maybe maybe that was the election year. I think maybe. Yeah. So Obama made the legislation that it's legal to hijack <laughs> dead people, and take their bodies. <laughs> Big Chad Obama, bro, Obama, hell yeah! No, I was kind of weirded out, Zach. Uh, a couple of days before I rewatched this, I watched the the movie called Skyscraper with um The Rock, and mm-hmm. in that he's like fighting up a giant futuristic skyscraper, and when he gets to the top level, it's this giant hologram, like this room 
because I guess it was made for tourists or whatever. So, like, the holograms can make anything. It can make it, like, a room full of mirrors. And that's kind of where they had the final action scene. But it makes all these backgrounds. And you can look in, like, you're in anywhere in the world and stuff. It reminded me so much of, like... And then when I rewatched Free Jack, like, two days later, this sequence, like, reminded me so much of that rock movie. It was weird. Mm. I heard that rock movie is basically just a uh, fucking die hard in a on a skyscraper or something. Uh, yeah, it is, but it's I don't know. It's 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 hard to describe. It, 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 the movie's actually a lot better than I thought it'd be. I this is the first time seeing it, but um, and I don't really like the rock either. But yeah, it's like it's a little different though, because like the the rock's actual kids are there and he's trying to save it. it, it it's really. More like they're trying to get away from a fire and shit blowing up and burning than they are like fighting terrorists. Although they do fight a little bit. Mm -hmm. It could be the different movie than the one I'm thinking of. I heard about. See, no, no, yeah, that's it. Everybody yeah. hated it because they're like, "Oh, it's just a Die Hard ripoff." Because oh, yeah. there's a part where he has to jump on the outside of the building that is just like Die Hard. But the majority of the movie doesn't really feel. I don't think mm -hmm. like it. This is this is like fucking. Uh, uh, like uh, Highlander shit right here. Yeah, I thought that like even though it's like very dated visually, I thought some of the visuals were good. Like I like the shit of Emilio Fallon. I like that shit of him dancing like a mime wearing blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, this was the part that I thought was really like with the uh, what do you call it with the reshoots? Because because now the the guy who was trying to take over the company, Jonathan makes he just walks in to the room. And he shoots the equipment because they were they were forcing Amelia to do the body transfer with um, Anthony Hopkins. So this guy walks in, but he's already been shot. Did you notice that he's shot in the arm? And like they looped in some dialogue or something of like, oh, he survived or something. Like to try to make it seem like Mick Jagger's soldiers were trying to kill that guy. But they should have at least shown that, don't you think? Because like when he walked in and he was all shot up and bloody, I was like, what the fuck happened to this guy? They fucking uh, they yeah fucking. Probably, uh, just maybe this is part of the reshoots. They're fucking like, we can't afford to shoot, see the squib go off, but like, fucking, we want to reshoot uh, his demise anyway. Well, I, I think they should have definitely, um, you just would have took like one minute of like the soldiers getting to his office and he, you know, he has a shootout with them. But yeah, mm -hmm. he's trying to stop the transfer. But so Emilio gets up off because it, it was like long enough. Like they're saying, like, uh, Mick Jagger's asking the technician, like, you know, did the transfer go through? Because the whole thing with Mick Jagger is he doesn't get paid unless he can he completes the transfer, basically. Mm -hmm. From Anthony Hopkins to Emilio, so like Emilio gets up and he's like he's pretending like he's really Anthony Hopkins now, and like the other guy who's running the company is like, oh shit, like if if he's really alive, I've lost all my power because you know everybody knows I was trying to fuck the guy over. So I actually thought this was a good scene. You kind of see this in a lot of science fiction movies. Is it the real guy or not the real guy? But I actually like this ending. So, like, they kind of come up with this hooey that, like, every employee of this company has a personal identification number. And Mick Jagger has, like, this little handheld thing that has the number on it. So Emilio is, like, he has to read this, like, ten-digit number. And he mm -hmm. reads it off. And, like, Mick Jagger is, like, basically, like, yep, it's really him. And then he shoots Jonathan Banks and kills him. Because, like, you know, fuck you. you like, like basically, if you win and take control of the company, like, you weren't going to pay me or whatever. So, like, I think this kind of saves the end of the movie. Like, kind of puts a cool twist on the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, uh, I remember being like, oh, okay. 
they kind of there's like a heel turn here or fucking yeah. a, fucking a face turn. I thought I thought Emilio he took his face off. Face off. I thought Emilio kind of did some good acting though, of all of a sudden kind of <sighs> acting cold and acting like Anthony Hopkins here. Him him laughing and making that smiley face it looked very Woody Harrelson. It did. Something about like uh, the way he was superimposed over the blue screen or whatever that was. Like it's just the background, like, yeah. Yeah, maybe the film stock looked a little darker or something. But um, yeah, Mick Jagger and his boy they they blow away Jonathan Banks because he's trying to kill Emilio. It's like fuck that. But and I, this is the part uh, on the soundtrack where you cut to the Rolling Stones original song about friendship and about fucking wanting to kill your buddy uh, uh, fucking Furlong. Uh, guy guy we <laughs> <laughs> wanted to kill your buddy guy from uh, uh, Mighty Ducks but yeah. fucking uh, finding new love for <laughs> I'm so I'm such a fucking beta I can't, I can't <laughs> help it for long we grew up as friends I chase yeah. you around the city now and again but Anthony oh, yeah. Hopkins is in your body. So the movie ends with Anthony Hopkins now living in um, in Emilio Estevez. And then, like, what's weird is, like, Renee Russo, she's kind of like the cut queen now because she has to be with this old man who's in her husband's old body. Like, she's she acts like she's firmly convinced it really is Anthony Hopkins. And, like, I was thinking, like... Because, you know, the technician guy, uh, Jagger, was saying, like, was it a long time? And he's like, oh, it was, like, whatever it was, eight seconds, but we've done transfers quicker. So, like, it really possibly could be. It's just Amelia was trying to hang on and not mm-hmm. have his body be taken over. So, mm-hmm. like, they drive away from, like, and I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be the same day or later or whatever, but they drive around in this old-ass, uh, I think it's like a Rolls-Royce, whatever. And Mick Jagger and his tanks army stop him, and he just comes up to Emilio. And pretty much the ending is um, is basically they acknowledge that Emilio didn't really know the code number. So it obviously, you know, because he says, hey, I knew you would fuck up if, if, you know, he's like, first of all, McCandless can't drive a car. So you need to start paying attention to the details or whatever. Because, you know, it's like it's like Mick Jagger, like he would pretty much lose his reputation if it got out that you know, it was really still Emilio. Mm-hmm. But. I really, I gotta say, I really love this ending. Like, it's kind of, like, I like the ending, but, like, overall, but as clunky as it kind of got with all the sci-fi aspects and the weird kind of editing from the reshoots or whatever, I think this end part, ending on a high note like this, kind of ends the movie. Because it's like, yeah. in the long run, after he went through all that shit, Emilio actually won, because not only does he get to avoid death, which he really did die in the past, you know? He gets to avoid would, death. Yeah. He gets to be yeah. back with his wife, and now he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. It fucking it, like it would have been great too though if like fucking he went it fucking like it ended with him pulling like the fucking uh, like oh yeah we we're fucking we were in on it all along baby and he just fucking <laughs> he moves the fucking his clothes and he's got like a cod piece and it's the fucking like the 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 fucking dick coming out spraying milk and he just fills up a cup and he gives it to his homies. Like Clockwork Orange, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it would have been great if, like, at that moment where Mick Jagger walks up to the car and and they say that stuff, and he says, hey, you know, I knew you would mess up. I know it's not really you, whatever. Because she even asked, like, you know, did he get the number right? And she and, he, and Mick Jagger's like, not even close. At that moment, if Emilio and Mick Jagger just started making out in front of everybody, they'd be like, oh, oh yeah, we, it was a plan all along. 
I'm gonna just completely subvert expectations. Oh, right. That, that's if Ryan Johnson got to make this movie, that would be the subverting expectations. Like the whole movie is about him trying to get his girlfriend back, mm-hmm. but then like fucking uh, at the end, it's like the uh, right after you think he succeeded, he turns to his buddy, and they fucking they just start kissing, and it's like the movie's over. I would come. Yeah. It's just like they drive away in mixed tank, and she's left at the side of the road. Mm, good shit. So yeah, it's kind of weird because it's like it's hard for me to describe my love for this movie because I just love it. I think it's one of those things, almost in a weird way. It almost would be better if they remade it now, kind of executed a little bit better. Because there's not like really one or two scenes that stand out where I'm like, "Oh, this is so good, so good." It's it's you know a lot of it's just kind of of the time, kind of typical sci-fi thriller action or whatever but i don't know just just all together like i just love it i i think the premise is like brilliant and really cool mm-hmm. and uh yeah i don't know it, it, it's weird it's like i guess it's a nostalgia thing but like not really because i actually liked it at the time that i saw it but mm-hmm. uh would yeah. you like you being younger than me you know like not seeing as much of the movies that like at this time period and like expectations or whatever just looking at it as like a mod no not a modern movie but you know just watching it for the first time now like what what did you come away with like how painful was it that i made you watch this uh i it wasn't painful i was like like i didn't see like i don't see why it's known to be as bad as it's known to be yeah. like i was like you know what this is yeah this is this is the type of movie i I probably won't remember in a while, like yeah. after a couple of days. But like, yeah, I can totally see like fucking being like growing up. Because anytime you grow up with something, you see something as a kid. Like that's one thing I know. Like I have no problem doing commentaries for movies that I have like a nostalgic like uh, draw to. Like that's always kind of like uh, that's how I know I'm gonna be okay. This will be a movie we're doing a commentary for and having on whatever show. Like yeah, like these movies where it's like, uh, like a, like a, like I wasn't even into action or this type of movie as a kid until like he, like this is something I I got with age, like kind of this genre, like the, uh, the uh, steampunk and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely it's one of those things where it's like, it's meant to be a cyberpunk thriller, but I don't think it was really. And cyberpunk's like a weird kind of thing too, because I remember I've been cyber- calling it steampunk this whole country. Yeah. <laughs> cyberpunk, but cyberpunk <laughs> was a weird thing too, because it was cyberpunk was something that kind of came out of like more like books, graphic novels, underground shit, and when they tried to really translate it to like big budget movies, it never like paid off. Like this, Johnny Mnemonic, like any any movie where like the entire plot. Uh, revolved around like some imaginary technology that would never never would exist like those things like just never caught on for whatever reason you know what i mean it's like you're just Mm. asking people like before you like get to the point of like where the action starts like whether it be this or johnny mnemonic like you're asking people to buy into this whole premise that doesn't exist at all you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i think uh, and then hit between the eyes. I always thought the Scorpions made this song, but I was looking. I saw some concert footage on YouTube of like they were doing this song live years before this movie came out. So it was just they literally just kind of grabbed this song and made it like the title credits. Like I was, I was surprised. I, I just found out the first time mm. uh, the other day. I thought this was like the theme song of this movie, but just a song they stole, whatever. Hmm. 
I thought there was a music video that came out for this song. There, there, the yeah, movie. there was, but it's oh, okay. like this came out in '92, and I saw some concert and it was just footage. An old song. Yeah, that's a that was from '90. Yeah. They were doing maybe, it, so maybe it was one of those uh, unreleased tracks. And they, that could like, be, a yeah, or maybe it was like one of those things. Is like they put it on an album, but the album hadn't come out yet, or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was shocked to learn that this actually existed before. So yeah, so I mean, it's one of those movies in a weird way. It's kind of like the Suicide Squad movie that's out now. It's like, I like it, but I also see why it bombed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, did Suicide Squad? I might yeah. check it out. I, I do like uh, um, James Gunn most of the time. Yeah, I, I think you'll I think you'll really like the new Suicide Squad because um, it's just, it's very violent over the top, like to the point where like it's so violent, it's meant to be humorous, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of has like a dark sense of humor and it's just, I don't know, it's good. It's kind of ridiculous, like... It's weird to me that people are, like, lumping it into, like, the world of comic book movies. And it's just like, well, yeah, it is. But it's like, you know, the comic book it's based on didn't have, like, fucking all this shit in it. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's just James Gunn, like, taking his version. I was thinking earlier, what if, what if like, uh, the, the ever-growing, uh, you know, uh, we all knew it was going to happen at some point. Like, the comic book movie fatigue is starting to set into, like... Uh, is that uh, Black Widow or what was yeah, the last Black one? Black Widow, like, yeah, it didn't yeah. do that great. I mean, it did okay for a COVID movie, but it did terrible for a uh, a Marvel movie. Yeah, it's probably unfair to compare it while co- yeah. like the whole COVID stuff still happening too. Yeah, but I think the reason they kind of like uh, pissed on Black Widow was uh, like, yeah, it's a COVID movie, but then it made a lot less money than Fast and Furious did like a couple weeks mm-hmm. earlier. You know what I mean? So it's like. I don't really know. Yeah, because even like Suicide Squad, they're like, oh, it's a failure. But I'm like, they're making so much money on HBO Max. That's like, maybe, I don't know, maybe it all washes out at the end where like the studio doesn't really see it as a failure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they could, I mean, they they can claim whatever they want, but they claim a lot of people are watching on HBO Max. So it's like, it's just one of those things where it's like, if COVID wasn't spiking up again, maybe it could have done better in theaters. Like, but it's just one of those things like you'll never know. Like we could argue about it and pontificate, but who fucking knows? Or one day from now, we will create a time machine that by taking a picture, making a 3d model of all the situations happening, we will be able to pinpoint and go back to that moment and, and then find out. But then we will, we still wouldn't cause it'd still just play out how it had already. Exactly. Like, what I would do is I would create a machine that sucks movies from the past to re- that were bombs to re-release them, like, in current day, whatever that current day would be. Exactly. See, we could do that. We could. We should make a movie about a guy who's going through taking all these bombs and finding out the best time to put them out. Fucking yeah. Like, he, he becomes a big success with, like, fucking he put out Angus in the right month this time, and now it's a fucking a number one movie. Fucking Angus from 93 or 95, whatever. Exactly, and they put all the parts of the gay dad back in, so now it's more timely now than it ever would have been then, you know? Exactly, Big Chad. I was, I was going to say, I forgot to mention, you know how this movie treated the whole like um, storyline of it really being Anthony Hopkins all along? Like that whole mystery that played out for like the first 98 minutes of this movie? I forgot mm-hmm. to tell you, the trailer just tells you right from the get-go that it's Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> You think they focus group that one? Yeah. 
yeah it's like they gotta know it's anthony hopkins but it's like uh, i think part of the reason this movie didn't do so good either like the title i think people were expecting that you know the climax of the movie was going to be uh emilio estevez having a hands-free orgasm and when that didn't happen everybody went home disappointed that would have been you ever watch one of those videos and try to get it to work and you just by twitching your dick muscle <laughs> fucking never have them i always i always feel like it's 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 like a scheme right like the guys like doing like jerking off normal for like 30 minutes and then they turn the camera on and he just stops and he just like you know what i'm saying like he's trying to hold it back and it's like, exactly yeah i don't believe in that i don't even see what the fun in that would be like exactly like who would want to master that worthless skill Hands free, like it, the hand is the best part. Yeah, you're trying to take out the best part. Fucking uh, lame, worthless, amazing. Too much worthless stuff going on. But uh, yeah, th- this this was a fun one. I love this movie. It's you know it's it's nothing I have uh, any great hypothesis about other than it's just to me it's just a fun really like sit down on a su- Sunday afternoon on the couch and watch like a good little time waster. It's, it's, it did. It had like a nice little weirdness. Uh, yeah. itch. It, like, uh, like, uh, it, it reminded me like, Oh, this is kind of like, uh, when I'm seeing them, uh, first bring him into the, uh, the future. I'm like, Oh, this is like, I'm getting fucking, uh, uh what's that movie called? Uh, Buckaroo Banzai vibes yeah. here. Like, yeah, I can see that kind of scratching that weird, weirdness kind of itch i i get for like i i tend like yeah i, I like fucking uh i like buckaroo bonds i like fucking that movie reminds me of like uh, bill and ted's bogus journey which is a total fucking just weird wacky fucking idea for a movie yeah oh yeah exactly yeah it's just i just offbeat where it's like you don't really go back and i mean i guess i have some nostalgia for this movie because i remember seeing it when it came out and everything but then, you know, I, did, I didn't watch it for, like, 20 years after. You know, this is really about the only third time that I remember seeing this movie. But um, it's just one of those things where it's it's just weird enough. It's just goofy enough compared to modern-day movies. You know, most modern-day movies are kind of, like, just straight ahead and kind of joyless and not, not very imaginative. And it's like, as much as this movie goes off the rails a bit here and there and kind of meanders a bit here and there, it's, it's still, it's still more fun to watch than a lot of stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was good. It was good just to talk about it. And more than anything, it's like, you know, not that we do gimmicks or we do stunts here with these podcasts, but you know, there's a million people doing these type of podcasts, Zach, and uh, everybody like, covers the same movies over and over and over and it's Mm -hmm. you know i mean that's the whole point of the movie graveyard we try to dig up those ones that nobody's really talking about too much if at all you know what i mean you fucking did it with this one i've never heard i was like fucking bam hell yeah i know i could just surprise you and it's just one of those it's one of those things like the concept is so great and the movie's just like you know okay pretty good i guess but yeah, that concept, man. I think I think if you kind of reworked it a little bit, you can make an amazing modern day film out of it. But uh, yeah, I want to thank you for uh, taking the leap of faith and doing this one with me uh, when no one no else problem. would. No problem, baby. Anytime. And w- w- what's the latest that you got on Mac Zach that people need to hear about? 
Oh, we just did a uh, we basically the BGM and the Mac and Zach. We're trying a new experiment. We're doing video now for like anybody that wants to watch it on YouTube. We did the Mac and Zach video. Uh, we did a uh, Halloween three fucking the dank to dust commentary. Oh my god, we get to see you guys be dank to dust now. You get to see us be dank to dust. Dank, dank to dust is code word for we watched it high. We did oh, yeah. the weeds and we watched it high. Because fucking the, yeah, we don't want Mac to get in trouble because he doesn't live in a legal state, baby. Yeah, he's he's not in one of the free states. He's he's still in uh, one of the states where Mick Jagger's rolling around in the tanks trying to catch everybody. Still in one of those states that is still cucked to the, the <laughs> these these big politicians, the low T chads. The the low T industry still cucked. Yes, very much yeah. so. So yeah, man. So I guess that's it for this one. Anthony Hopkins. I can't believe they got. How many days do you think he laid in that 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 ice chest to play the corpse? At least, uh, I think he's method acting. Like yeah. he basically, like he wanted to really be asleep, so they would like he literally like have eight hour sleeps there, and yeah. then like he's like surprised me with with the take you actually do. I like I I don't want to be expecting it. All that shit. He's like, I'm going to go to sleep for eight hours now. Just you know, back then the film cameras they only hold thirteen minutes on a reel. He's like, mm-hmm. just they probably spent half the budget just filming him sleeping to where you know, all night long Same. just to get the right take. That is like the director's cut is like fucking seven hours long, and it yeah. is it's all the same except that one shot goes on for seven hours. Exactly, David Lynch's Free Jack, <laughs> the director's mm-hmm. cut. <laughs> it's a good, it's good shit. Good shit, babe. All right, everybody, I want to thank you for listening. Obviously, Zach, thanks for joining in. Always keeping the things fresh and uh, you know helping me dig up these cinematic classics. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you being here soon in the movie graveyard. Dog. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.